Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Today on the show, uh, we got somebody real cool. Um, I, I really suggest that you listen to the intro so you can get a full spectrum of who this guy is. Uh, it'll, it's, he's, he's great. Um, today's episode is brought to you by Infinite Off-Road. Infinite Off-Road has a 25-year you-break-it-we-replace-it uh, warranty. even covers accidental damage, and that's on all Infinite Off-Road products. Um, they've got light bars. They've got rock lights, whips, um, UTV mirrors, grills, everything you could want for your UTV, they've got it on there. Um, now, they also carry a bunch of different parts as far as uh, wheels, tires, suspension, anything you can think of. It's great. Um, Infinite Off-Road, uh, the owner's name's Mike. He is just an awesome guy. I've dealt with Mike for about six years now. Uh, nothing but just extremely positive things to say about him. Their rock lights are second to none on the market. Uh, I don't know if you're on Facebook, any of the Facebook groups. Mike is constantly in there uh, reminding people uh, that he is a, he's a very, very reasonably priced uh, vendor for the rock lights specifically. And uh, all the time, people are posting pictures of their, their rig with the lights on. They've got the widest patterns. Um, they've got the only rock light kit that has a pure white emitter and all the other kits mix colors, which I don't know about you guys, but it's kind of dumb because when I was a kid and I mixed a bunch of colors with paint, it all turned black. I can tell you it sure as heck didn't turn white, but, uh, you know, that's a, it's a story for another day or a lesson for another day. Um, one thing I desperately want to beat in your head before we start, go to our Facebook, go to our Instagram, get in this contest. Um, I can't, give you guys the details right now, but I have a major sponsor stepping on board, um, and I'm really excited for what they're going to put up for this contest, so go ahead and get signed up. Um, you can follow, it's on almost every post we have. Uh, you can you can find it uh, on Facebook, Instagram. It is gonna, it's going to say our contest. All you got to do is sign up for our newsletter, give us your name, give us your email, and we go from there, and that's it. I have yet to send an email to my list right now. I probably won't send you an email for a while. Um, but I can tell you, Rogers Racing has supported this. Uh, Dan Carter Racing, Infinite Off-Road supports it. Uh, I just tacked in. I got a brand new belt I got from somebody uh, for a 1000 XP. I'm just going to throw it in there. But I'll tell you, y'all, this sponsor that is going to come on board, I can't release who they are yet. Um, I think that they're really going to help us out with this contest and uh one winner at the end of the Southern Rock Racing Series season is going to get a huge prize. One person is going to get it all. So get signed up. Also, if you share any of our content online, it enters you again. I'm going to go through at the end of the season. I'm going to look at all the people on my list. And I'm going to look at all the people who shared our posts over the season. If you shared it, you get another entry. Good luck, everybody. We're picking one winner. You can enter as many times as you want online by sharing and one time by signing up. Today on the show, I have the Paul Wolf, the man himself, the reigning champion of the rock racing series, North, South, Central, everything. This is the man who edged out Tim Cameron. This is the one of the few who runs a Can-Am, who has run a full-body Can-Am, has done all kinds of racing. Um, Paul talks a little bit about where he came from, because I didn't really know Paul before we got started. Um... I just didn't know, and I was really, really, really happy with how this podcast went. Uh, Paul's a real cool dude. Paul's a super nice dude. Uh, you guys are really going to like this one. This is one of my favorites for sure. Without further ado, Paul.
Paul Wolf, everybody. Get a drink and gather around. Let's talk drivers. Let's talk rigs. Let's talk skill. You've got the best of the best in the off-road racing world. Have a seat at the table with us, and let's talk about racing on the rocks. All right, well, we'll go ahead and get started. Uh, Paul, how you doing, man? Doing good. Uh is it Saturday today? So yeah. doing good. Yeah, I I appreciate you taking one of your Saturday mornings to uh, do the podcast. I think that this will be super valuable, and uh, I'm really excited to uh, kind of share your story with the world. I appreciate it. I appreciate what you guys do. Uh, gives us, I guess, exposure to let us tell our side of the story. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And and you in particular, I, I we had a previous conversation on our phone, first phone call. Um, I'm really excited to uh, kind of expound on what I've heard so far. So I just want to jump right into it. Um, tell me about yourself. You know, what do you do for work? Where are you guys based out of? Uh, you know, what's your life look like outside of racing? Um, well, I guess I'll start with work. Uh, my life's pretty hectic just beginning there. Uh, <laughs> so for those that everybody doesn't know, um, me and Christy, which... I may refer to her as my wife. We've been together a while, and we might as well be married. I just haven't done it yet. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> she that she's probably going to give me a hard time, too. I was about to say, it's <laughs> right, right in the sweet spot. <laughs> <laughs> so, but we have a five-month-old, so that, that added to the hectic yeah. a little bit this year. Um, but anyways, I also, uh, me and my brother, I got two brothers. I got an older brother and a younger brother. <clears throat> we own two salvage yards we do together um, that my dad started uh Basically, started when we were a kid. Um, we actually started by going to auctions, farm auctions, and buying junk, and we would cut it up and then haul it in Monday morning. He worked uh, as a journeyman machinist, worked shift work, and so we'd work, you know, depending on what week, what, what he was on, as far as midnights or afternoons mm -hmm. or what, certain certain times we would work, uh, you know, through the week after school, and then yeah. we'd work Saturdays, Sundays, whatever doing that stuff and, and that's how he started uh the scrap business i guess um and there, there's a ton of crazy stories i can tell you about uh doing that stuff we used to uh this is actually a funny one if, if he, he's actually passed away now but if he's live he'd probably get in trouble for it oh gosh <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we used to haul tires to a place called decatur which is about I don't know, three hours away, two and a half, three hours from us. Yeah. And he, he'd get off midnights, pick us up and during the summer, and we'd ride with him up there mm -hmm. in a regular cab uh, pickup truck with a 40-foot gooseneck loaded with tires, and we'd haul them and dump them. And then we'd come back on the way back. He would sleep. He'd lay up against the doorpost and sleep and set the cruise control, and we'd steer down the interstate. Oh, being my like gosh. <laughs> eight, nine years old, and he'd be like, just elbow me if you guys need me to hit the brakes or anything. <laughs> Oh my so, gosh! And when we were kids, we thought it was the coolest thing ever. Yeah, man. <laughs> you know, <we> <laughs> so that's amazing. So, so right out of the gate, you got a really good example of what it looks like to uh, literally work yourself straight to the limit. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And so he he did that. And my dad and my mom had had good jobs, um, mm -hmm. definitely. But uh, you know they uh, they ended up. Um, I guess my dad uh, pushed real hard to start the business we have. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there's a lot of times money was tight and stuff. And so we learned to uh, make do with what we had. And the reason where racing comes from and all this is we owned a salvage yard where people would bring junk cars in mm -hmm. that ran. 
and you know like they didn't pass emissions or whatever mm-hmm. and so you know this is like when we were back in grade school i mean we were pretty young doing this stuff and uh we didn't have a full wheelers or nothing then we'd get junk cars and we'd gather them up and on weekends like we had four or five that still i ran we'd yeah. go out and run cornfield <laughs> you know kids and we we called it wreck and racing because like yeah you know, they hit each other you know and we didn't care they were junk yeah you know so we go out in the field and we set up a little like circle track or whatever. Yeah. And we race them. We play tag in cars. Um, it's really a surprise one of us like didn't get hurt or killed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, but that's kind of how we got started. So we did some pretty uh, crazy stuff. And at the time, we didn't think. You know, we were kids. We thought it was the coolest stuff ever. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So uh, yeah. before before we go into that, uh, tell me, you know. Who, who you are in regards to the current racing season um how did your performance last year go uh you know kind of kind of let's talk about last year and the previous years because uh how you got into actually racing for the southern rock racing series is is really neat especially um if you go back and look at paul's social media at all um it doesn't take it's not too far down that you got to see where he began and uh, it's it's amazing. It's really amazing to see how it all lined up. So um, tell us about that. How did you get started uh, in the side-by-side world? You went from racing cars to what next? Uh, we raced four-wheelers. Um, we ended up with 400 EXs racing motocross and just anything we could race local mm-hmm. that we could uh, kind of afford to go to and do. And then uh, we just kind of kept growing from there. We started racing flat track. My brother actually got really big in the flat track, and I would just go do it in between uh when i got a chance to do it with him right and he you know he did really well and then it slowly progressed from flat track we figured out that our bodies can't take the wrecks anymore mm-hmm. you know we're not 30 years old and when I, it's hard to go to work on monday after crashing a four man <laughs> so, it's real hard <laughs> yeah and so a side by side was like with age get a cage is like a thing <laughs> I, i've and never so, heard that i like that a lot yeah. So we're to that point now, or to that age where, well, we start needing roll cages and stuff. We don't, we don't bounce as good as we used to. Yeah. So, so we started getting side by sides, and actually, I had a guy, a local guy, I guess he's from up this way, and he went and raced. Uh, I think he raced the Eight Up series mm-hmm. with a Can Am, and he goes, "Oh, you can't. You got to have a racer. There's no way you can race Can Ams in the rock bouncing." And I was like, and that was just kind of a a ploy for me to go, you know, prove him wrong. Yeah, absolutely. So, prove everybody wrong and uh so i i had a bike that actually got totaled out um i wrecked it pretty bad the frame was bent horribly on it and so i stripped it all down and built my own chassis and uh we went down in 2017 and ran texas i think that was the first year yeah, first year we ran texas mm-hmm. um actually dnf i didn't even finish the race oh, wow. uh now is this the yellow the yellow Maverick that you had? The um, yellow, yeah, it was yellow and black. Yeah, it's, it, so so like I said, uh, Paul's on Facebook and uh, he's actually got an Instagram as well, and I'll have it linked in the bio below uh, the video and the podcast and everything. Um, you said that this, you know, it looks like uh, a full body, just regular chassis, just with like an extra roll cage and things like that. So you said that frame was just completely bent. Yeah, actually, that bike there. Um I did a backflip in it. This is, uh, I, I mean, this was back before, like you've seen it in the expos. Yeah. And all. I did it way back when. Um, I actually watched like Tom Mentz and all them guys. You know, Dennis Anderson. I watched them do it. And I'm like, you could do that side by side. 
is I went and tried it, and there's videos somewhere on Facebook uh-huh. of it, and there's like two or three where I wrecked. I didn't make it around. Like, there's one I probably shot 15, 20 foot up in the air and come down on just the cage. Man. And, uh, so it, it took a little bit to figure out how to build the ramp to make it work. Yeah. But once I figured out how to do the ramp, I figured, like, it was easy. It was, like, one of the easiest things I ever did. Oh once God. you got it right, it was, like, either it went perfect or it went horribly wrong. There was never really an in-between area. Yeah. Now, and, uh, was it was it just trial and error that you got it right the first time? And, you know, I mean, how much uh, of it – you said it was kind of ramp. And, and, like, how much of it was actually driver, though? Because if I had the perfect ramp in the entire world – you know, I don't know if there's an amount of money that you could pay me to try and jump, try and backflip my <laughs> razor. <laughs> um, it, it's, I don't know, I, I guess a little bit of its driver. I mean, to be honest, the backflip, I really didn't think it took a ton of driver skill. Once, once we figured out the ramp, mm-hmm. the ramp, I was pretty much having like, you know, enough guts to hit it and, and be the test dummy to find out. Because it actually, the first time I did it, it took me uh, four tries. Ooh. So I had four four pretty bad wrecks you know and, I, yeah. and i'm determined so i told everybody i was like a bunch of buddies i'm gonna do a backflip today and they're like oh no you won't do it you won't do it you're you're scared you won't do it so i had to prove them wrong you know yeah yeah and so i sat there and did it until we got it down but once we figured it out we we're like well this is easy now and so then uh we actually did a few of them right there in a row you know like yeah and you know and once we figured out how to do it it became really easy to do and we figured out you could pull like all the way up to the face of the ramp and pretty much stop and put oh. the body low and just hit it and uh, just hit it wide open and then let off when you're in the air and the bike would rotate and come right down. And, uh, <laughs> for, for anybody listening, don't try it. <laughs> <laughs> don't try it. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to get a phone call from someone that says, "Yeah, they heard on your podcast if you stop at the bottom <laughs> of the ramp and hit it wide, that you'll do a backflip." So uh, you heard it here first, but <laughs> anyways, you uh, yeah. So anyways, the bike ended up with the frame being bent on it from yeah. a couple, not even from the back, it's from a couple other wrecks it had and stuff. And uh, so I stripped it all down and I built a tube chassis out of it, mm-hmm. a green two seat chassis that was it was it did good um, in the fact that it held up really well, mm-hmm. but it like the way I built it, um, I had really bad visibility in it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't see anything on the passenger side of the bike, mm-hmm. and uh, so it just made it really hard to drive. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did it did well, it held up good. Um, we went down to Texas. I DNF down there. Um, I had a stock diff in the front, which everybody knows the Can Am diff three wheel drive. So that's so that's one of the big talking points I actually had for you is you know you this is the original Maverick, not the X three, correct? Yeah, okay. yeah, this is the original, the old school Maverick. Okay, so that old school Maverick, you know, obviously from that Maverick to the X3, a lot changed aesthetically, and I would assume suspension as well, because it's, you know, the X3 is just leaps and bounds and suspension ahead of most everything else. Um, but, you know, as far as the driveline goes, as far as that whole uh, open front diff, kind of open front diff, however they want to spin it, um, that's always been in the Mavericks, correct? Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's always been a huge downfall um, to them. Pretty much is is the the diff, so that front diffs open it, and it works great for like woods racing mm-hmm. because it will lock, but it takes like so they made a standard diff. It takes like four revolutions of one tire to lock. Well, mm-hmm. when you're doing rock crawling or rock bouncing, yeah. you get up on a ledge and you stand on it. By the time one tire spins four times and it locks in, I noticed it do one of two things: either break 
it would normally send all the power to the other tire. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you already got the tire spinning and, and it just shock load the axle shaft. Yeah. It just blew the axle shaft right out of the other side. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, it never worked out very well at all. And what I ended up doing after I figured out, you know, obviously that diff's not going to work. Right. I cut the front of the bike back apart and I took a rear diff and put the front because the original Mavericks, they never, the transmission was on the back of the motor and they had a rear diff in them. That wow. was cool. Yeah. That's amazing. So I took that and, and put it and ran the gears backwards in the front of the bike and just overbuilt it on oil. Yeah. And, uh, it's actually, it's strange because they're set up, the axle shafts are all the same length. You could take stock rear axles and put in the front and it would work perfectly fine. Wow. So, so, you know, did you do this, did you make that, that diff change, uh, before you went to the tube chassis or, uh, during the tube chassis? During, during the tube chassis. Um, okay. I actually took the tube chassis to Texas with a stock front diff mm-hmm. and, uh, ended up, um, breaking it. Actually, I broke, pretty much destroyed a, I think, a few <laughs> axles. <laughs> we, yeah. we had a rough go with all the rocks down there. And then, uh. After that, I knew like I knew right away. I was like, okay, this diff's got it. Something's got to change. Yeah. yeah. So this not it's not going to work. And so I went ahead and uh, did that swap. Put the rear diff in the front, and uh, it ended up actually working really well. Um, it actually made it work quite quite well. And then the biggest downfall I ran into was steering. Um, yeah. The absolutely. mid mid-engine bike it had so much weight on the front end that it was really hard to steer the bike. Yeah, I um, believe it. So, so let me ask you this, uh, just for, you know, say for example, you're just the everyday person who likes to go trail ride and climb some hills. Do you think that that Can-Am open front diff system, does that work? Or is this something that, you know, people who have Can-Ams, you know, like find a way to make it, you know, go get the halo locker, go do something. Um, so I would, if you're going to go climb hills, I mean, I would definitely go with the halo locker. Mm-hmm. Um, now that I have, like I wouldn't, there, so to jump forward in time a little bit just to like give you a little perspective on this uh mm-hmm. i actually started uh the 2018 season with a stock diff in an x3 wow um, in a front diff and i put a, a i think a torque locker in it mm-hmm. yeah i had a, tor- a torque locker i put in it and uh i actually broke the front diff in that bike every so the first let's see i raced texas i broke i uh, twisted the splines in the diff um, I ended up breaking the diff every race I went to. Wow. That's and, expensive. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it was bad. And, and you know, and, and so I just mangled it just constantly. And, uh, there's a lot of races like Windrock. I finished in two wheel drive. I, the front, it, it actually knocked the diff out of the bike. I broke a stub shaft oh my God. and the, sus- the suspension cycled. And, uh, when I went up the hill and when it, uh, I guess compressed, it chubbed the axle shaft over, hit the diff and knocked the diff out of broke all the mounts in the diff oh my god and uh there, there's a post-race video of it somewhere yeah yeah and uh you know and and it, it mangled i mean it was just non-stop i i literally the first three races of the year i think three or four races of the year so i went all the way to wildcat mm-hmm. and that's when i finally got the halos after wildcat mm-hmm. and uh all three races i broke the front diff in the bike and i finished in some form of two-wheel, three-wheel drive, like, I, some, something was messed up in the front end. Yeah. And, uh, we went to the Halo, put the Halo in, which I went to the Halo 30, you know, billet case, pretty much the, the toughest one they make, mm-hmm. and, uh, actually, I haven't broke it since. Wow. Um, I've had 
one problem I had uh, some pins when he first built it. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he had little push pins that drop in. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a little design flaw in them where uh, they weren't. Um, they called a halo ring where they would slide out of the halo ring. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had that happen once in which I called him. He told me what it was and he goes, just tack weld them pins in and it'd be fine. He was already fixed it on the new models. So he, you know, he's already took care of the problem. So I just tacked them in and then everything went back to work and that's amazing and out of it. So, so I'll tell you, um, you know, I, one of the main reasons I was so excited to talk to you was you're one of the very few people who run a Can-Am in the series and really who run a Can-Am in the South, in my opinion. But I, I, I think it was this last fall, went out and, and I sold my buggy and I had a, I had a Razor buggy and uh, I was like, you know, I want a Can-Am, but I had the front locker issue, you know, that's just out there. And so I ended up getting another Razor. But after, after hearing just that, that there is a solution that does make it, you know, fixable and, and make it not only fixable, but... Uh, seems like it makes it not a weakness anymore. Um, that's huge because I think myself, along with many other people, um, I like the Can-Am more than Razor on a lot of different numbers, but the consistency and the durability of the Razor, you know, is the reason I went back to one. So after hearing that, you know, my my next one might my, my next one might be an X3 because uh, they are some awesome machines for sure. Um, they, they do extremely well. And I think a lot of people would be surprised. Like, um, so in 2017, I bought, I bought my first Can-Am at the very end of the season. I actually took it to our championship race and I raced it there. Mm-hmm. Bone stock, uh, redid the cage on it. Was it and took the bed off and took the fenders off just because I didn't want to break them. I mean, the bike yeah. literally had 10 miles on it Yeah, and, uh, went and raced it bone stock like that in one. Uh, our championship there won our them two races and uh ended up finishing fourth in the points that year Man. and then i stripped it down and built my first single seat that winter and uh then i had them diff problems going mm-hmm. into the going into the 2018 season and once i fixed the diff problems well then it ended up being fine well of course then i broke a drive shaft mm-hmm. um with, you know drive shafts you just resleeve them mm-hmm. not for me, it's not a big deal. I do it all, a lot of it myself. Yeah. Uh, and then I ended up finding, uh, getting with RCB and doing a carbon fiber drive shaft in them. Woo! Uh, because the carbon fiber takes some of the, the load, the shock load out of the transmission mm-hmm. on them. Um, is is why I run them. Um, if you're if you're like an average rider running around, uh, if you want an extra like safety in there cushion, I definitely suggest them. Um, but if you're never going to be hard, like, you know, if you get the halo locker and you're never going to be completely abusive on it, mm-hmm. um, you could probably go with something a little cheaper. Like they're, uh, they run a all steel drive shaft they make for them. Mm-hmm. Um, the stock ones, you definitely mangle them. They're, they're made out of real thin material. And, uh, as soon as you get a diff that holds up, you, uh, break the stock drive shaft. Mm, that's good to know. So that's <laughs> good to know. And that's a, that's a common theme that I, I try to reiterate to people is, you know, uh, everyone tells you as soon as you buy a vehicle, we'll upgrade the, you know, the axles, upgrade this, upgrade that. And uh, ultimately you end up just pushing the brakes somewhere else. And, you know, you have to, if you're going to fix one thing and make one thing stronger, you need to expect to build the rest of the drive line completely bulletproof as well. So. Yeah, absolutely. A- absolutely. You know, and then that's the thing, you know, and you might find like, I don't know. I mean, I found uh, with the carbon fiber setup, it really, like, I really 
I'm probably going to put my foot in my mouth, but <laughs> I really haven't had any major issues yeah. since I've done that. Um, it, it's been pretty, like the carbon fiber, it, it twists a lot, and a lot of people are afraid of it because it twists. Mm-hmm. Um, but the benefit to that is, is you know, shock loads what kills parts. Right. It, ain't, it, it ain't the torque or the stress or running 32s. It's whenever you come down and you you, know, you shock all them parts, you know, mm-hmm. and you come down and throttle and it, and it sends a shock load through the bike. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to have something that'll take that out. And if you could get it to come out in the axle, like you could have some kind of axle shaft that would do twist and, and take that shock load out. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have to build the drive shaft. You wouldn't have to beef up the transmission, you know. Yeah. But that obviously part doesn't exist. Well, so, actually, I don't know if you keep up with them. Uh, Super ATV just recently released their, I believe it's an XM300 axle. And I think it's supposed to, It you know, I'm just going off their marketing here. Uh, I think it'll do three complete turns before it snaps. Wow. That is a brand new product. I believe it came out last week. Uh, this So this podcast should air, I think, next Monday, something like that, uh, somewhere around there. So, uh, you know, it should be pretty timely after. But uh, I saw something on Facebook or Instagram or something yesterday, and uh, Super ATV had done some R&D for the shaft, and this thing looked like it had been twisted six or seven times. And by, the time, by that point, it was bent and everything. wasn't broken yet. But the shaft itself was, I mean, it was so twisted that it was probably had a, you know, a 25, 30 degree bend in it. Wow. That, yeah. That'll be, I, have, I haven't even heard of it or seen it or nothing. This is the first I've heard of that. Yeah, let me, uh, let me, let me see if I can, I got my computer here. Um, pull it up, just see. It is the uh, uh, X300 axle, so. Uh, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, Super ATV X300. Um, it's a... Uh, it's like I said, it came out I think a couple weeks ago. I think people are just now getting their hands on it. Uh, let me read while I've got it here sitting up here. It says um, more strength. Uh, it's a torque load. Blah blah blah. The 300 millimeter shaft twists until the load is gone, and then it returns to the original position. So that's oh, wow. a, that's a pretty bold claim, and it comes with a three year warranty on it. Oh wow! So yeah. that they're pretty pretty confident sounding yeah, yeah it's pretty amazing. It, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what it does yeah um, yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. and i will say i actually have seen one in person um before and they are uh they're you know this the podcast isn't sponsored by anybody i know some of the drivers are sponsored um but they're about as thick as the rcv obviously it's going to be a different material in the shaft but uh i had a, i had an rcv right next to it and it uh it's pretty stout i'll tell you that it, it'll be interesting to see what what uh comes of it yeah you know, that, that's like i said that's one of, that's the whole reason i'm running a carbon fiber drive shaft is to take the shock load out of the transmission because you know razor guys you can buy a billet transmission the mm-hmm. parts the any part you want for a razor is available as far as like billet transmissions mm-hmm. and you know i'm mean, pretty pretty uh i guess extravagant parts you know you can get for them mm-hmm. where any people it's kind of like you can find a uh, you know, I guess a cryo-treated transmission, mm-hmm. but you know, you're talking big money, and then you're still yeah. running the stock cases. Yeah. You know, and so it's really hard. Nobody, it really, and it's coming along. Like, I mean, obviously, I can tell from starting last season to going into this season. I mean, clearly, I guess a lot of people can tell by my driving style. I'm a lot more confident in my mm-hmm. bike. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. I, a ton more aggressively than I did last year. Um, and it wasn't nothing. Like, I wasn't that I wasn't capable of doing it last year. Mm-hmm. It was, I had a fear of, of breaking it. And I did, I broke, like I broke them diffs. And then, uh, once we got that fixed, 
it was just simple. Uh, you know, I finally got the trailing arms on it and got the A arms on it. And mm-hmm. I kind of built the bike as the season progressed. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't like this year I come out with, I knew what I needed because I learned from last year, you know, and, and so I come out with a lot of bulletproof parts already on the new chassis ready to roll. So let's talk about it. Um, the, the rig you're racing now, and we can kind of circle back to kind of more about what you got you into, um, the racing and whatnot, because uh, it looks like you built some full-size rigs as well. Is that correct? Uh, yes, yes, I did. Okay. Um, played around with them and back and forth. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll we'll loop back to it because while we're on the topic of your of the of the the X three that you had and now the tube chassis you had, um, when you're in that full body X three, uh, you know, I would say that most people that listen to this drive razors and have probably never even sat in a Can Am before. Um, but but the full body, you sit a little lower. Um, you know, to me, it feels a little bit more stable. Um, you know, what is racing a full body Can-Am like, uh, compared to, you know, your previous Maverick and now to your buggy? Um, so this is actually probably going to surprise people. The full body, the only, the only downside to it is, is you lose a little bit of visibility on the passenger side of the bike. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's pretty much, and, and I mean, of course, strength and the frame rails and stuff like that. Obviously, when you build a tube chassis, you build all that heavier so you can take multiple rollovers. But mm-hmm. as far as racing, uh, really, the full body, uh, there's actually points of it that work better than a tube chassis. Um, one is the tree kickers. So when you build a single-seat chassis, your tree kickers are, are real uh, abrupt angle. Mm-hmm. So um, if you watch Windrock, I actually smacked the tree at the back of the bike and it kicked the bike over and smacked another. it was just horrible yeah horrible run and uh what what the full body allows you to do is put less of an angle on your tree kickers and when you go through stuff and we got in a bad habit of this from kind of endurance racing side of things mm-hmm. is you get the front end through and you just stand on the gas yeah no I mean... <laughs> your, your tree kickers don't run at that steep of an angle so yeah. if the bike does step out and hit a tree it just slides down it doesn't throw the whole back of the bike around yeah it doesn't you know, it doesn't kick you at all. Yeah. And so, you know, and that's one of the benefits to a full body. Another one is you actually sit lower in a full body because you sit on the left side of the drive shaft and your seat is actually, well, we lower them down as low as we can. Mm-hmm. You sit them down on the floor of the bike. Um, but one of the downfalls is, you know, the hood. You have a hard, like, yeah. for me, I got used to where the tires were and it mm-hmm. doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I noticed a lot of people don't like the fact that they can't see over the hood and see the tires mm-hmm. of the bike. And so, I mean, that does definitely hinder you on any, the ones I noticed are right-hand corners, downhill, mm-hmm. uh, you can't see anything. You know, you're blind. Yeah. You have to walk the course and you have to find spots like on a tree or something yeah. to kind of bark in your mind, okay, this is where I got to be when I turn here. Yeah. Because you can't see nothing. You know, you can't see down downhill and to the passenger side. Now, that's that's the main thing. <clears throat> when, I, when I got in a K&M, got a chance to drive it around, that's the exact thing that kind of steered me away between the front locker and the fact that I couldn't see. Now, how tall are you? I'm 6'3". Okay, all right, so you're a giant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so I'm 5'9", about 5'10", on a good, well, I'll take it back. I'm, I'm 5'11", on a good day, you know, somewhere in that mix. I couldn't okay. see anything, and that was a big thing that I took into account. Now, obviously, you being a little bit taller, but, you know, you lower the seats, you kind of run into that same issue. Now, is there anything that you can do to, to fix that blind spot? I mean, is there anything at all that's fixable about that? Can you can you chop the body at all? Can you do this or that? So, 
in the woods racing, like there's some guys that build some pretty high end bikes and they'll, they'll lower the dash, like mm-hmm. the hood and the dash. They'll lower them down. They claim two inches. Yeah. But that really doesn't fix the problem. I mean, it may help the problem, mm-hmm. but it's not by no means do I think it's going to fix the problem or, yeah. or you, you, I really don't know if you're gaining that much by it, mm-hmm. to be honest, because like I, I tended to find out like once you run around in them long enough and especially for maybe not for the rock crawling world, but like for the higher end, high speed stuff, um, you're looking so far in front of you if yeah. you're truly running that fast mm-hmm. that it doesn't hinder you, you yeah. know, yeah, um, if you're looking, you know, if you're looking at the end of the hood, you better be doing like five, five mile an hour or so, you know, you, you ain't going to be <laughs> 40, 50 mile an hour and looking at the end of the hood because then you have to walk you know, Yeah. Yeah. So, depending on what you're doing, I mean, if you're doing rock crawling, I mean, I've done it and I've learned where the bike is. So, I just know from, you know, repetitive memory, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. from doing it repetitively, mm-hmm. that I, I can, and I'm really good about looking where I'm going and remembering, okay, there's a big boulder on the passenger side I want to hit with that tire. Mm-hmm. And when it hits, I know what it is. Okay, I'm on that boulder. That means I'm in the right track I want to be in. Yeah. You know, and I can just play that through my mind as I'm driving. Um I'm sorry, one sec. No, you're fine. In her uh, crib. That's sorry. Right. No, you're trust me, you're fine. I'm I'm waiting for my five year old to bust through the door and start yelling at me. <laughs> but no, so like um but the hood is definitely one of the things, uh I d I don't know if there's any fix for it. I mean none nothing that I know of mm-hmm. is there a fix for it. It's one of the I guess downfalls, so to speak, mm-hmm. to it. But I think that's kind of any full body you get in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, have that um, and that's where the single seat chassis comes into play is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the single seat one, um, really, I don't want to say you're really changing the center of gravity on a Can-Am that much, um, really? because not, not a whole lot. Um, I did some pretty extravagant things on my new chassis mm-hmm. to, to help with that, but, um, my old chassis, um, it's about the same center of gravity, but you gain visibility. And I did a few things to suspension to help it, um, with changing the geometry in the front end to help hit ledges and stuff. Yeah. Um, which, you know, help it tremendously. But as far as like the center of gravity and all that, it's really not too far off from a stock Can-Am just because they have everything tucked down pretty much as low as it can go. And the only thing that's really above, you know, the shock, powers mm-hmm. is plastic and yeah. you know not really any weight yeah yeah definitely and that's uh, to me that's a knock on the razor um, a big time knock because coming from a buggy back to a full body i mean when i was in the buggy i felt like i was in a formula one car and i was you know uh, two inches off the ground but coming back to the full body i might as well be riding in you know a mud truck on 54s or something crazy it's, it's an insane difference um so it's pretty interesting to me to hear that you know you do get that similar feel of you know stability and, and like again that's one of the big things I always hear about the Can Ams is the stability is vastly improved. Oh, yeah, it, it's definitely it's definitely on on point. I mean they got they did that right for sure. Um, you know, and the only the only downfall I really see to like a stock frame mm-hmm. is uh, the frame itself is so thin. Right. Um, but you know, I mean, I'm sure they do that. You know, I don't know why. I guess weight savings, or you got to have crush points. You know, when people wreck them. Yeah, that's very people true. Save, you know, and and when we build the tube chassis, you kind of take all that out of it. So mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're also as much as you're you're helping the. Oh, geez, 
Hang on a second. No, you're, tot- you're totally fine. You all right, bud? You okay? What's wrong with you? You had a bad dream. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Uh, and, and one of the things, too, that uh, I actually talked about in the Dan Carter podcast um, is the stock cages and stock frames, are they're designed to break in a certain fashion where it will save your life. And that's something that I've seen over and over again. And when the Turbo S came out um, for the Razors, uh, it was like the first week it came out, someone took it to the dunes and blasted Facebook because their cage cracked, you know, at a certain point. And what people don't understand is those are specifically engineered to not be tumbled down a mountain and then be fine to go. They're engineered to hit something, break in the right spot where you won't die, <laughs> and then you go out and you get another cage. And, you know, it's built to save your life, not to tumble down a hill. And that just puts so much emphasis on aftermarket cages. If you know, if you know you're going to find yourself tumbling down the hill, um, aftermarket cages are huge. Uh, and especially, I've seen. I've seen yeah. frame stiffeners for the Can-Am, things like that, to help with that. But, you know, having something to save your life versus having something that's built to go tumbling down a mountain over and over again are two very different things. Oh, yeah, most definitely, definitely. And, you know, and it goes back to actually a crazy story. Um, a lot of people don't know this. My brother, we got an 800 Razor back when they first came out. Yeah. Uh, he actually endowed it, and this is back when we didn't realize that the cages were not cages. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is when they first came out, and he actually endowed one and broke his neck in three spots. Oh my gosh! And uh, endowed it over a tabletop. If we were doing, we were hitting like an eighty-five foot tabletop, so it really probably wasn't the smartest idea. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's wild. <laughs> yeah, he ended up uh, coming down the front end, end on the bike, and broke his neck, and. Uh, you know, we ended up cutting the cage off, and we're like, oh, this is not a cage. We realized, you know, we got to yeah. get him out. And we realized that it wasn't a cage, and he ended up being fine, obviously, you know, after quite a few months of pain. But he's fine now. Good. Um, good. Well, and, uh, you made a good recovery. Yeah, yeah, you know, and so we still race, and he still races. So <laughs> apparently we didn't learn too much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, You know, it's kind of one of those things I tell people all the time. There are some people that are just built to race and that just want to race so bad. Uh, I go riding with a bunch of guys who, who do the Southern Rock Racing and the Pro Rock Series all the time. And, uh, man, some of the hills these guys hit just for fun with nothing on the line but just, you know, an enjoyable Sunday afternoon in the woods, mind-blowing. Mind Absolutely, they're insane. So um, it sounds like you guys fall in that camp. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it's one of the things, like, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, some people, you know, we you know do drugs or whatever, yeah. I guess. And this is like... This is our high. I yeah, guess. yeah. No, I mean, I definitely agree that you know you got to get your rush from something, and if it's if it's racing, it's better than you know it's better than drugs. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and that's kind of where you know that's kind of what we've always done is that, and then uh, you know, and so back anyways, back to the stock cage thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so like even on like my trail bike, uh, it has a stock cage on it, but like I'll go through and I'll put. Uh, 120 wall DOM stiffeners in the cage and stuff mm-hmm. and the only reason why I keep the stock cages is because I like the idea of being able to buy windshield for it doors yeah. not you know you do aftermarket then you're trying to custom fit your windshield on the bike and yeah you're, you're trying to you just know, make something work that wasn't ever designed to work that way yeah and so I found out if I go through and put stiffeners in and, and do different things you know 
and, and add to the case that's already there, yeah. you know, it tends to work good. Now, I ain't gonna, I don't want to go out and hit bounty hills with that, though. Right. You know, you got to have some common sense in there, too. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, surprising how lacking that is, too, in some people as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's talk about, you, you had your X3. Um, I kind of want to just go through a, a list. You know, you had the stock X3. Was there any major upgrade that you made that you felt like really makes a huge difference on the stock machine? Um, just the, uh, locker in the front end. Mm -hmm. Uh, other than that, like, well, I've never, put it this way, I've never broke a rear axle shaft, a stock rear axle shaft. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. I know, I know guys that have, but yeah. I've personally never done it on any of my bikes. Um, I go ahead and run RCVs because I've seen people break them, mm -hmm. and so I'm just trying to, you know, that's one thing I want to limit out of the way. Yeah, be preemptive, but, uh, yeah. In, in my factory bike, I have never done it. Um, now, front ones, you, you break them like they're going out of style. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Until you get the Halo 30, and then you kind of take care of that problem. Gotcha, gotcha. gotcha. But uh, the Halo 30 is the big thing. Um, and, like, I would say the other thing is is your lower A-arms in the front, mm -hmm. on the, especially on the... Uh, 72 inch wide models mm -hmm. um they're like champ uh, stamp uh, sheet metal yeah. that's welded together yeah and uh, they they tend to fold up pretty easy um so i mean getting some definitely some lower a arms um the trailing arms in the back you know once you beat on them long enough of course they're going to get bent mm -hmm. um and then go to something aftermarket but the big thing is really the locker um that that is like the number one thing i would say to do um hands down is put that locker in. Uh, now, if you're going to go racing and, and progress a little farther into mm -hmm. it, um, I really try not to do a lot of extra stuff to my race bikes. That yeah. I don't, if I think I need it, I don't do it. Yeah, um, I, I think that's very wise. Um, so, like, just to give you a quick rundown, and we do this, I try to do this, uh, you know, do little video segments on my Facebook of, why I run what product and mm -hmm. stuff. Because there's a reason why I run everything. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I just put parts on my bike because somebody sends me parts. I just, I'm not into that. That's not what I do. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, I run radius rods. Uh, you know, I run suspension components all the way around, which we're really violent on stuff. So, mm -hmm. um, Is there a then, brand that you recommend for radius rods, all the suspension components, things like that? Um, suspension components, I run HCR. Classy. We ran, we put that set on, which is Chrissy's bike now, last year, mm -hmm. and I, they went all the way through me. I raced the whole season, won a championship on them, and they're the exact same set that's on there now. That's amazing. I haven't, haven't touched, and, th and this has been through trail rides, um, there's a little hype video out that we went and, and beat on that bike. Mm -hmm. I mean, I beat it down for a full day, I think we went through by like five or six belts on it, just because we kept just running repetitively yeah um and because i got a pretty pretty wicked tune in both of them bikes they're pretty nasty uh, who, who does your tune uh, we go through evolution power sports we actually put them on uh, e85 and we run bigger injectors in them yeah and, uh so christy's bike's probably around 260 horse oh man mine's pushing probably 280 Woo, that's a ton man <laughs> so, um it, they'll they'll get down pretty hard i mean uh and, and that goes to say, though, you know, if you watch this race, like Texas, mm -hmm. power did, like, did you no good at the first race. Yeah, absolutely. If you monster power, it didn't help you. 
Uh, wind rock, it did help, I would say, in the mud to clean out the tires and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, power definitely helped you there. But there's a, multiple races that big power doesn't help you. I mean, it is nice to have when you need it. Mm-hmm. But it, if a guy's coming up to race, that's not something he has to have. Yeah. Um, it's definitely cool to have, though. I'm not going to lie. It's, yeah, I'm sure. That's, that's a ton. <laughs> that's a ton of power. That's so... Crazy. But then, uh, other than that, um, let's see what I do. I, I do change, I change the power steerings in the bike. I go to e-power steering, gives you a little more power with mm-hmm. that locker locked in. Mm-hmm. Um, just so that way I know it's going to steer when I'm doing something I shouldn't be. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, uh, let's see here. And then we did, uh, Gary Hinkle did my shocks on my bike, which, mm-hmm. um, going into last season, going into championship race, um, a bunch of people seen me go down, was it a Fable Hill mm-hmm. or whatever? And I kind of jumped off the top of it and landed about halfway down the hill. Yeah, I and remember it, watching that, trying to figure out, first off, what was going through your mind. <laughs> and then second, <laughs> how you survived. Because it, it, it just, it looked like, it didn't look too bad, you know? It, it was smooth, other than the back of the bike took a real hard hit about halfway down. Mm-hmm. I thought I knocked the transmission out of the back of the bike. Lord. Um, but it took it, it took it fine. But uh, that's actually, that's the very first time I put uh, Gary shocks on my bike. I ran stock shocks all year, stock springs. Mm-hmm. I mean, didn't do anything to them just for the, the simple fact of breaking diffs and, yeah. and uh, just had other problems that the suspension wasn't you know on the top of the list. It didn't make it to the top of the list. Mm-hmm. And then as I got the bike, you know, all the bugs worked out and I figured out, you know, okay, if you got a Can-Am, these are the list of things you need to do to make them bulletproof. Yeah. So, and once I figured that out, well, then it came, okay, now I got time to actually tune the suspension. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this suspension's horrible. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so I actually uh, talked to Gary and stuff, and uh, he does a bunch of endurance racing. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I got hooked up with him. And I told him what I did and stuff. And and uh, then we're actually shocks off from one of my brother's bike mm-hmm. um, that Gary did for his endurance racing. He was put them on and see if you like them. Well, this is like a day before we went to dyersburg to run the championship and mm-hmm. i put them on i was like these shocks are awesome really and he's like well, put, yeah and he's like well put the back ones on and i go well you can't you can't put the back ones on because uh xrs and the xds the narrow version and wide version are two different rear shocks the front shocks are close enough that you don't really notice anything mm-hmm. but the rear shocks are completely different so i couldn't run the rear shocks are so they like, are they are they longer or are they just a completely different setup um so they're a different size, okay. um, one. And then the other thing is is the piggyback reservoirs on the narrow bikes. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have a stock chassis, you can change them out um, because the way the mounts are for the sh- top of the shocks, mm-hmm. um, you can change them. But the other downfall is is where they mount the trailing arm. The uh, trailing arms on the XDSs you mount on top of the trailing arm, and the XRSs you mount like kind of down in the trailing arm more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the mounts are different. Mm-hmm. Um and so that's one problem. Then when I built my chassis, I built them for the bigger shocks, which mm-hmm. have uh, reservoir like hoses. Yeah. Because the reservoirs aren't attached, they're not piggyback. Mm-hmm. And so I built the mount a little beefier. Well, with the reservoirs, I can't fit them in there with where the mount is. Yeah. So I just ended up running the stock ones on the back. And uh, Gary Gary does some pretty neat stuff. And like when I jumped off of there, um, the front the front shocks he puts bottom mount systems actually in all the way around. He does mm-hmm. all the shocks. And so the last two inches of the stroke, it's like having basically a bump stop, like on a big buggy. Yeah. In the bottom of the shock, they're all built internally. 
And so when I jumped off there, I obviously didn't have that in the back, and it just blew through the travel. <laughs> it, oh, it smacked so hard. I literally thought I broke the transmission in the oh back. I was God. like, something had to break. Like, it, it was just abusive on the back. The mm-hmm. front, it was like on a cloud. It, it landed so smooth, and it rolled right down through there. And, That's amazing. Uh, it was pretty neat. And, like, I knew going into that race, uh, we uh, so we were me and Tim were, I think, 18 points apart, mm-hmm. and I really didn't think I had a chance at catching him. And I had a pretty big gap between me and the guy behind me at points. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, well, I can, for once, I can race to win, not race for points. Mm-hmm. Well, then I ended up winning the first day, and he got, like, fifth or sixth. Mm-hmm. And it kind of put us closer in points. And I was like, well, that means if I win again today, and he has to finish, like, fourth or better, mm-hmm. or I beat him. And, well, it just ended up working out where I was the very last person to race. Oh. And so... It come down and and he and he actually come up and I I follow the points closely but he mm-hmm. goes home and adds them up every night. Yeah. And so like he come up to me that you know that next day and he's like, I got to finish here if you get first. And I'm like, really? You know, I didn't I didn't realize he had to finish like fourth. I yeah. think It was. And but he knew exactly where he had to finish. And mm. uh, so he went out and uh, he was pushing real hard and he, I think he either did a wide open landing like jumped he jumped that ledge. You know, he landed, sorry, he landed on the brakes. He had the brakes locked up, and uh, I think he had an issue with his front brakes, and when it landed, the front tire rolled, and the rear brakes were locked solid, and it jerked the diff apart in the front of the bike. Oh. And uh, it ended up breaking his front diff, and he ran the rest of the course with the broken bike, uh-huh. which credit to him because he did a really good job forcing that thing through yeah. through the rest of the course, you know. But that's the talent. That's the only thing you do you push how hard do you push you know do you risk breaking your bike you mm-hmm. know in which he was being real aggressive you know jumping into that mm-hmm. because nobody jumped into there other him and brandon i think were the only ones that jumped into that hill yeah and it was mainly because of that point you know there was a huge risk yeah. you know it was a risk and reward there mm-hmm. and uh so i knew when i got up to the line like i knew i had to you know in my mind it was like either wreck or, or get first there's not going to be an in between <laughs> you know and so I just went went for it, and we come off Fable Hill and jumped down it, and it actually went way better than I ever thought it would when yeah. I turned the corner. So, and, go ahead. Yeah, let's finish. And so it, it all worked out, and we ended up uh, taking home a championship. <laughs> so so I, I got a couple things I want to say there. Like, first off, when when you come, come off Fable Hill, you know, how soon after you crossing the finish line did you know that you had won? Um, so I pulled across the line, I turned around, the guy with the, running the handheld clock unit was mm-hmm. right there, and so I looked at him, and I was like, where am I at? Because I knew if I got first, I won, Right. you know, and so I'm sitting there, and I'm waiting, and I think he, the holler, or somebody come up to me the video, as a video of it, and they knew that I got first, mm-hmm. and they ended up telling me, and the clock guy was right there, and he's like, yeah, you just, you got first, and so I knew right then that I won the championship. How did you feel? What'd you do? Um, I was shocked, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I wasn't shocked that I won the race. I was just shocked that I won a championship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, how, how many drivers are in the entire series? I mean, there's, you know, uh, is it like a ballpark of like 50? Uh, yeah, so there, there's a, a bunch of drivers. Especially the ones that run it, I'd say, religiously. So a lot of guys start the series, mm-hmm. and if they have a, a bracket DNF or whatever, then they're like, well, I'm out of the points chase, so they kind of 
don't run they'll run the close races but not all the races right you know because mm -hmm. they'll run they'll go try to hit up other series and stuff and chase points right uh, so but there's i don't know probably 50 something racers that that you know race um at different times there's mm -hmm. probably there's normally i'd say 30 of us 25 to 30 of us that are consistent every race all the time you know constantly so you beat you know you sit there you just get told you're in first place knowing that you've beat all the guys out there you're at the top like what what i mean just what goes through your mind what'd you do next when you pulled off to your camp and you jump out like what are you doing <laughs> well to be honest it, it was short-lived <laughs> i was real happy um and christy so we were actually our her due date was uh that same day Oh my god! <laughs> so literally, I, I come down. I got the bike ready. I went, called her, made sure because she, she was at home. Yeah. Made sure she was okay. Made sure you know nothing was going on. And then uh, went down, you know, and, and she was feeling a little queasy and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. And this is our first baby, so I don't know what. Like, we don't really know what to expect. We're yeah. Kind of, we're guessing at all this stuff. And so, you know, and uh, so I go race and all that. And so I come back and they're doing these little quick interviews and people are talking to me. And like the whole time I'm like, I need to go get to my phone. Yeah. I, I got to go get to my phone because I've been down here for, you know, at that point it's like almost an hour and a half, two hours watching other people run. Right. You know, getting all that stuff. And so I'm like, I got to go get to my phone. I got to go check, you know, because yeah. it's a four hour drive back to the hospital, you know, and I'm like, so I may have to like take off. Yeah. So I end up getting to my phone. Everything's fine. So then it kind of set in a little bit and Christy actually surprised me. She drove, drove down there. Oh um, my God. The next day is Sunday because we have a big banquet and all that, which is really awesome. It's one of the, one of my favorite parts of the year is doing the banquet. And yeah. Getting the. You know, you actually you get to relax, you get to talk to everybody and all that. So it's really cool. That's, and it, and they go through and they do different accomplishments and stuff. People, you know, highlights of the season and, and different things. And it's, I don't know if you've ever been to it, but it's really cool to see. Um, and so we, we went, she actually drove down and we did that. And then, uh, so that was Sunday. And then it kind of set in Sunday, you know, what all, what occurred. Mm -hmm. and how happy as can be. And then, uh. Monday, we actually, so we went home Sunday night, and mm -hmm. we went to the hospital Sunday night. Oh, man. No, it was Monday. I can't remember now. It might have been Monday night. Yeah. I think it was Monday night. We went to the hospital Monday night, and we had a baby. So man, that's a... It was, everything was really compact right there, and it yeah. really didn't have time to settle in all the way. Man. So, so you got your, you got your championship prize uh, was your baby. That's, uh, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so it was it was really uh, hectic and it was awesome though. It was uh, it's probably one of the, like my favorite weekends ever. <laughs> yeah, I would I would probably have to argue that you winning the championship and then you know a couple days later having having your first kid, uh, that's got to be just that's that's definitely one for the books. I'll say it like that. Yeah. So uh, yeah. that's amazing though. Um, so you know it finally sets in that you have won everything and you know it's the off season. What did you do the off season after you won the championship to get ready for the next year? Because obviously you want to repeat the exact same scenario. You know, what did you do? Was there adjustments you wanted to make? Uh, you know, I think you built a new, a new whole new buggy, correct? Yeah, yeah, I built a whole new buggy. Um, so actually, in the middle of the season, I don't remember. Uh, Tim Cameron had a Can Am for like one race. Yeah, yeah, I do. That's that's actually something that I wanted to ask you about as well. Um, he actually ended up, he uh, wrecked that bike, 
playing around his house. Um, <laughs> you know, hit, a tree, hit a tree pretty hard and mangled the radiator and some other stuff on it. And uh, he put it up for sale. I ended up buying that bike. Yeah. Uh, and that's actually my new race bike this year. That's <laughs> it's amazing. His, it's old bike. <laughs> uh, so I bought it from him and fixed some stuff on it. Um, ran an endurance race, had a pretty bad wreck. And then uh, pretty much totaled the bike out when I wrecked it. So then I stripped it down in the off season and built a tube chassis out of it right. and built a whole new chassis for this year. Um, obviously took all the parts and stuff that I learned worked last year mm-hmm. and brought them, brought them over to the new chassis. Um, like HCR, you know, like I said, they're, they're tough and they, they come on board and, and I actually got a really good relationship with them. Um, my original set, I actually paid outright for everything. Yeah. Um, I bought all them outright, no sponsorship, no help, and I had good luck with them. So I called and talked to them, and, and they said, well, you know, you won a championship, and you represent us, you know, and they're real big on the West Coast, not on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And so they go, well, we want you to represent us and show our product off, and so, you know, we want to work with you. And they gave me, worked a deal with me and stuff, and got me suspension on the new bike, too. That's amazing. That was pretty awesome, and then... uh I brought over, you know, Evolution Power Sports, mm-hmm. uh, Halo, RCB, pretty much all the products I ran last year. They, they stayed on board with me, uh, Pitbull Tires, um, brought all of them over with me and put them on the new bike, built a new chassis. Um, I lowered, so I did some, I guess I call it trick stuff to the frame, but it's really not that, <laughs> that special. Um, it's just different. Um, so once you build your first bike, you can always look back and be like, my first one I built purely for function it had nothing to do with you know, I, didn't, I didn't put no really no style into it i didn't sure. do nothing yeah you know, it was it was built this is what i want to do this is the purpose this is 100 percent function if it doesn't have to do with function i'm not messing with it right you know and so then with the new one i was able to you know i, I knew what i needed i knew what i you know all the stuff i wanted to do as far as function goes and i'm like well now i can actually put a little style to it because I know everything I did works. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The new one I put a little more style into. Um, I think it looks a little better. I like it more than the first one. I yeah. Just... <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it's really sharp. Uh, the front end on it is just killer. It looks really, really good. Uh, it definitely looks like you've got a little bit more room in there, too. Uh, it looks like it's a little bit more comfortable than the, than the first one was. Um, actually, the first one was more roomy and more really? comfortable than the new one. Um, the new one is actually, so the, the cage, so what I did is I ran the drive shaft. I built basically a tunnel through the center of the chassis, mm-hmm. so the drive shaft will run a little lower in it, mm-hmm. and so I could slide the seat down, because me being 6'3", yeah. I noticed I go race against these guys, and my bike's like a foot taller than everybody's, and I'm like, this is not right, <laughs> and, and because everybody else, like Tim... Tim's like five foot tall. No, not really. <laughs> but no, I think he's like five five or something. He's pretty short. Yeah. And, and like, so his buggies are built to his height. Right. And he builds up, you know, where they're close to him, and they're literally like, there's no way I could ever fit in it. Yeah. Tim, Tim's yeah. buggy. And and his bikes are literally like, you know, six to eight inches shorter than all of mine. Yeah. You know, and and that's all you know weight that's above you know center of gravity you're mm-hmm. bringing it up every time you know and it's just little amounts but it makes a difference like our first two races so whenever me and him have good runs our our times for these last for uh, texas and windrock have been um a half a second apart one run and three quarters of a second another run so Woo! we're racing within a second of each other that's constantly, crazy consistently yeah you know 
It's not like we just go out and do that once. Yeah. We mean do that on a regular basis, you know. And so every little advantage you can get does make a difference in, you know, mm. when you're racing that close, yeah. you know. And so I did, like, I put the drive, and I actually lowered the seat down, and I rolled it back a little bit and lowered it down so I could pull the roof down. And I, and it, it, to me, it's more comfortable in the new chassis. Okay. Um, I've had other people sit in it, like Travis Skelton sat mm-hmm. in it. He's like, and he's shorter than me, but he sits at it, and he's like, how in the heck you drive this thing? You're laid back. And I'm like, for me, you're great. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm so gonna... Some people probably don't like it, but I personally think it's more comfortable. Like, I, I personally think it like it fits me better. Yeah. Because I sit down in it and everything's tighter. But yeah. as far as room and like comfortability, the old bike, um, I had more room in it. Um, just because height-wise and then uh, the way you sat in it and stuff, you had more leg room in it. I had more room to move my feet around. Um so it was actually, I would almost say, I want to say it's more comfortable, but it was more roomy yeah. than the old bike, than the new bike. So something I want to bring up too is uh, your girlfriend, Christy, correct? Yes. Okay. Uh, she actually races too. She raced at Winrock, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I'm looking at a picture of her in your old chassis, and you can tell that it was designed <laughs> for someone a little taller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, uh, you know, I, I, I'm assuming, uh, how tall is she? She's probably uh, five, I think five, 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 six. Okay, so so she's she's closer to the average person, and uh, yeah. you can definitely yeah. tell she's sitting down in there pretty good. <laughs> so I would imagine that you know someone being as tall as you are would definitely uh, reap the benefit of, of sitting that little bit, a little bit lower back, and a little bit more sunk down into the seat. So um, that's that's pretty amazing. But uh, something else I wanted to bring up is she does race. How did you get her? You know. Did, has she always gone trail riding with you? How'd you get her to the point where she now feels comfortable and has a desire to go, you know, race those monster hills? Um, so the monster hills are still, so like Windrock, if you've ever been there, that hill is, it's intimidating that, looking at it. That hill, I, I saw it when they did the first Race to Riches there, and it actually, you go up, and if you look at it from the left or right, like standing beside it, it actually curved backwards at the very top, and it's actually like kind of concaved in. Um, I haven't seen the new hills that you guys race on, but I can tell you if it's anywhere close to the old ones, you guys are nuts. You guys are crazy because they are very, very, very intimidating. Yeah, and and like the thing for me is like most hills don't bother me too much. Mm-hmm. They're they're not a big deal. That hill there that we race on, I don't know why, but it it's one of the few hills. Actually, we did the race to riches qualifier there, and this is probably where a lot of that comes from. Mm-hmm. Um. So I'm sitting there, and there's like 60-something guys at the Race to Riches qualifier. And we're sitting there running, and Tim runs first, and we had to run that section with the stumps in it. Yeah. And it goes up the left side where everybody's talking about, oh, that left side, that's where you want to go. So Tim takes off and goes up it, and then somebody else goes. A couple guys make it up that left side, fairly decent. Well, then somebody got stuck up there, and they ate out in front of the stumps. Well, yeah. from the bottom of the hill, you couldn't see that. Yeah. So I... Unless you were standing up there where you could look at it, you couldn't tell that that was eight out. Nobody realized it down at the bottom, you know? Mm-hmm. And so guys are going up, and then guys just start flipping off the hill. Yeah, and I know. I mean, no, I mean was, that's brutal. There's videos everywhere of that. That oh. hill got nasty for the side-by-side drivers. And then ultimately, uh, I talked to James Cantrell, who took his full-size bouncer up there, and he took a super nasty spill on that hill. And uh, that, to me, is one of the... It's very rare you find a hill where it seems like everybody has an issue. 
So that hill is is just something wild. It is, and and that's one of the few hills. So I sat there and I watched. I don't know how many guys flip off that hill and total their bikes out. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting in my bike and I'm like, this is. I don't know about this. <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, this, this is, a, and that's the only time I've ever had a hill get to me. I guess. Yeah. Uh, and and it was probably more like this year we went there and we raced the hill right next to it and I was like and I didn't have an issue I was fine but like I guess I was sitting there watching and I watched guys that are good like Travis Skelton you know mm-hmm. Brandon the guys that are dang dang good drivers come off that hill you yeah. know and I'm and I'm like okay you know this, now this this ain't like it's you know Joe Smo flipping down it these are some you know guys that race every weekend and, mm-hmm. and they're good. And so that's the only time I had a hill actually get to me a little bit. And I think it was more watching people come off. Because I had to run a course like out of 60 people, I was like 55. Yeah. And mm. so I watched all these guys flip mm. off this hill. And I'm like, all right, we got to climb it because I want to race, you know, run this race. <laughs> so we're going to the top. And I actually got up to the top of it uh-huh. and uh, got hung up. And I ended up, got lucky, my bike actually was crawled i guess powered out of it yeah um got hung up up there got hemmed up and i thought about backing down but i watched a couple Ooh. people that back down and they catch a stump yeah. on the way down and then it just go you know you go cartwheeling yeah you know and you would end up and the bad part is that hill you wouldn't flip over once or twice you'd roll like 10 times yeah that's that's <laughs> that's the thing i noticed about it, is there's a there's a video of a, the full body can-am i'm not sure who drives it but uh someone took their full body up it and you just i mean they did five or six, just nose in the air, straight backwards, five or six the whole way down. And man, I like just as someone who I've never experienced a roll like that. That looks violent, and it, and it looks like it doesn't feel good. And it's just again, I mean, nothing on the machine, but like, gosh, man, I would just hate that. Oh, it's it's. I mean, I don't care what anybody says. They, they can like Travis Skelton. I'm real good friends with him. Me and him are real close, which I got some funny stories about that. Yeah, sure. Feel free to share. Racing racing together. But, like, after that wreck, uh, he rolled down it. You know, and and Travis is a tough dude. He ain't, you know, he ain't no joke. And and he he just held thumbs up. And, like, we ran over and looked at him. And I could tell, like, he was knocked out. Like, he was not. He he was, you know, he was in and out of, like, consciousness. You can tell he had a concussion. Because, you know, he just told everybody he's okay. But I was like, no, you're hurt, dude. Yeah. You're not 100% okay right now. Yeah, man, that's that, and and I'll tell you, watching because Travis has been racing for a, a while, and uh, he definitely is right up there with you, and and he's to see a guy like him come back and just be like not in good shape. I feel like there's a certain art to you know once you've had a few tumbles, you kind of know what to expect. But to see a guy as experienced as he is in that kind of state, I'm sure that's probably what shook you up. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and so uh, we ended up, you know, we made it out the top of the hill or whatever. It wasn't the prettiest hill climb I ever made. Definitely not. Um, but I made it, and, and, you know, whatever. But a real side note about me and Travis. So we raced together in 2017. Um, mm-hmm. was our, Me and him, kind of first year racing. Mm-hmm. And I had a naturally aspirated bike, and he had an old, wore-out chassis turbo. Yeah. That we had I'm going to say junk bikes. You know, there was nothing, like, we didn't have anything comparable to what we have now. Right, right. And uh, me and him, at the end of 2017, we became friends because we'd always, you know, we were always trying to catch Tim and Brandon yeah. and all these fast, you know. And so me and him would always hang out and talk and help each other, whatever we could do. 
and we ended up making like a little pact at the end of 2017. We said in 2018, because we both knew we were building new bikes, uh-huh. we said we're we're going to come and we're going to give them a run for their money. They're not just yeah. going to walk away from the championship. And just it just so happened to work out. He won the Bounty Hill Championship and I won the UTP Championship. Man, so it ended up just being kind of a cool little little thing that we were able to pull off there. Yeah. Man, so that's a, first off, that's amazing because, you know, I think for a long time in the sport, you know, I would say 2017 and before, it really did seem like you had the top five. You had five guys who were just consistently at the top and they just knew what they were doing because they had done it longer. But to see people come in the sport and just flat out be like, I'm going to be at the top, we're going to push them, and we're going to make the sport better. Because ultimately, more competition makes everybody push harder, it furthers the industry for better parts, it, it's just so much better. So, you know, hearing that you were just a couple of guys who were like, we're going to give them a run for their money, that's that's huge. And, and if everybody had that mentality of coming out and making sure that they're going to be in the talk, in the competition, uh, the sport would change, you know, tenfold. Oh, yeah. Definitely, and and it's and a lot of it is, you know, like I said, uh, you know, now, you know, you need a lot of, you know, it's getting it's getting tighter and it's getting more competitive. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, we're finishing within half a second, you know, three quarters of a second. You know, you're talking very little time in between, in between bikes. You know, yeah, and it's extremely tight, and you know, but I I still think there's room there for like the average guy to come out, you know. And maybe not in your brand new full body, you yeah. know, unless you really don't care about it. <laughs> yeah. You know? But uh, to come out in, in you know, and, and you can come out in a full body, and there's certain races that we run where a full body does just fine. Yeah. You know? um, Windrock, that one, there's a guy actually on the first run, I think he finished third in his full body. Third Man. or fourth on the first run in his full body. Um, you know, and, you know, I don't know what he did on second run. I Honestly, I didn't. I was trying to fix stuff, so I didn't yeah. catch what he did. But I, I noticed he did really good in his first run. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so there, there's still a spot there for the guys that, that run them, but you have to be controlled. You know, when you get in a full body, when you're in a full body and you're, you know, and you don't have a bulletproof diff and you don't have all these crazy parts, you can be, can, you know, you may not finish first, but mm-hmm. you can run top five or definitely top ten if you know your machine and you know your bike and you know what you have. You know, and yeah. you don't push it. If you come there and maybe be a little bit conservative, because the thing is, is guys like me and Tim, when we make a mistake, it's normally like I made a mistake at Windrock. I ripped a rear shock off my bike. I ripped Ooh, one apart, man. running all spring in the back um, when I hit that tree. Yeah, and, uh, it actually jerked the shock internally apart. Well, mm. then it just after that, you know, I just forced the bike through the rest of the run. It yeah. was just dangerous, mm. and. Uh, so, you know, there's guys like that, and like Tim in Texas on his second run had a horrible error, and he ended up, you know, 20 seconds behind. So there's guys that come out in the full body, and if they run and they know their machine and they can be consistent, mm-hmm. you know, and not just go out and destroy it, they can finish in the top five, you know? Yeah. Because when me, guys like me, Travis, Brandon, we make mistakes. Normally, we're running so fast, when we make a mistake, it's a bad mistake. Yeah. And it takes yeah. a while to correct it. Yeah. No, I, I agree, and I understand um, so that being said, you know, what are the, what are the leagues and, uh, series that you race in this year, 2019? Um, so 2019, I run SRS. Um, that's the biggest one. Right. Uh, I'm trying to hit some of the pro rock stuff up. Um, 
it's kind of hard with the new baby. So yeah, 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 yeah. I completely get that. You know, it's really maybe when it gets a little warmer out and we can take her with us because I don't know. Some people know I got a school bus that I redid into an RV, which Um, is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, But like, uh, you know, so it just depends on her. So I mean, we're definitely dedicated to the SRS. I really like the pro route. I like Joey. I like Trip. I have a good time with all them guys too. Mm -hmm. Um, And their stuff's a little more bounty hillish so to speak yeah um and so it makes it another level and actually my brother went and raced for me uh at the first pro route just because simply i just didn't have the time yeah between running our businesses and and doing that you know my baby it's just a lot a lot of time you know and then trying to work on race bikes yeah so, you know i got just a ton of time it's pretty chaotic so i gotta kind of pick and choose my battles you know of course where i want to go race mm-hmm. you know and stuff like that and uh, so I let Nathan go race for me at Pro Rock, um, which he tested the cage out on my bike, which works really good, apparently. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and, and he'll probably run a couple more of the Pro Rocks for me. Um, yeah. Because he's run all the survival races. Yeah, um, so, so that was actually part of what I was going to ask, too, is, uh, you know, you've got the Pro Rock series, um, and you've got the new edition of the Endurance series. Uh, you had mentioned you did some endurance series before, is that correct? Um, yeah, so I ran some of the survival stuff. Survival, before. okay, gotcha. gotcha. And uh, actually, I had horrible turnouts, to be honest. <laughs> um, and, and there's a kind of a funny story that goes along with that, too. So as a family, I got a huge family. I got 16 aunts and uncles on Ooh, one side. Man. And that, that's just one side, and we're all pretty tight-knit family. And uh, we all ride and race, and that's like the school bus thing comes in is when we were younger. Yeah. One of my uncles, he has two uh, sons, which my cousins, they're about the same age as me and my brother, uh-huh. my older brother. And uh, we all rode together, four wheelers and stuff. And so he bought a school bus, had a big door in the back of it, and uh, we'd throw all the four wheelers in the back of it, go somewhere to ride, unload all the bikes, and throw down, you know, sleeping bags and sleep on the floor with the bus. Dude, that's amazing. And, and that's pretty much how we made it work you know so we yeah. had this old school bus we bought for like two grand you, know? <laughs> you used to be able to buy them real cheap that is about uh, to say that's unheard of now yeah i think now like you can buy them you can get them for about six i think i, I think i paid five for mine or six for mine that's amazing um, still. that's a really good deal yeah and so we did that and that's how we did all that stuff and uh but anyway so our trail riding what everybody considers you know going out on a trail ride mm-hmm. is like an endurance race okay. um we we go out and like, if if it's us four, we have to race. Like, there's no, it's not. It's so understood that we'll go out like, hey, let's go trail ride, and then you go out and as soon as you get in the trails, the first guy he's like the leader. He play follow the leader. Yeah. And he, the guy just you just try to get away from everybody. That's, you know, that's awesome. And, and that's just the way. And we ride that way everywhere. It yeah. Home. Um, you know, we go to parks. You know, after we see the little scenic routes of the park. Yeah. Then we start doing this. You know, and we've gotten in trouble at several parks because we'll go through trails, you know, and, and we do it a little more cautiously now that we're older. Yeah. But when we're younger, we go, even on pullers, we just, we go through trails, you know, 40, 50 mile an hour, mm-hmm. you know, just moving, racing each other, playing, you know, and we get off in the back sections of the park and do that where we're not around everybody. Yeah. But people would come up and they'd yell at us, why are you guys riding so fast? You know, and we get a little bit of trouble for it, nothing yeah. major. But that was us trail riding and so we go do endurance races and you talk to people and they're like oh man we're running so fast 
And so then naturally in our mind, we're like, oh, we got to go faster. Than yeah, that. yeah, obviously. <laughs> and well, then, then I end up doing stuff like I wrecked out the first two endurance races I ever entered. Mm. Uh, one of them hit a tree, ripped the cage off the bike. Hospital. That was actually at Race to Riches. Uh, oh, three. God, dude, that, uh, that's serious. Yeah, that, that was a bad, a bad one. And a lot of people gave me a hard time because I had a stock cage on the bike and mm-hmm. I had it reinforced with 120 wall. And they're like, oh, if you didn't have a stock cage, that wouldn't have happened. And, like, afterwards, I did a little video. It actually hit so hard, it, it didn't just break the cage. It ripped the dash out of the bike um, where, where the cage mounts to. Yeah. On the X- it ripped that whole plate and everything out of the frame of the bike. Mm. It ripped the B-pillars out of the frame of the bike. I mean, mm. it was just crazy. It was, like, the worst hit you could possibly take. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. I was on two wheels, and I drove it right, drove the A-pillar right into a tree. Oh. You know, I didn't hit the front bumper, didn't hurt, didn't hurt none of the suspension on the yeah. front of the bike, nothing. I mean, it literally just hit just the A-pillar and then came into the cockpit with me and yeah. hit me in the head. But uh, anyways, I don't know, I might have killed some brain cells. But I was about to say, right. <laughs> it's fine, we'll just, we just gloss over it. <laughs> yeah, you know, and uh, so that, that was us, you know, learning that, okay, when we go do these endurance races, we actually need to ride like we're racing our friends in the back yeah you know we yeah. don't need to push and go faster we need to actually just race like we're having fun yeah you know and and that's kind of what we started out doing this year and two races in he's won that one and i won the other one so <laughs> apparently it, it's working we're on to something you know yeah. may not be, may have to fine-tune that recipe a little bit but we're finding out that okay we ain't got to push quite so hard we need to back it off run a good pace and then when it comes down to the last lap or two, you know, if you decide somebody's catching you or whatever, mm-hmm. go ahead and push a little harder, you know. And so that, or, that's kind of where we stand on the endurance racing right now is we're yeah. learning that we so, run at that pace, we're doing good. So, which is still fast, you know. I mean, it's not, it ain't no joke. No, it's not. And, and, and so you guys did end up, you said you won the uh, Pro Rock Endurance Race, your brother did? Yeah, he won the Pro Rock Endurance Race. Man. And then... I did the Ultra Four Endurance Race and won it. So, Man. Uh, which Ultra Four race did you do? Uh, they had one at Windrock. They had okay. an endurance race at Windrock. Oh, yeah, of course they did. They, I f- totally forgot they even did that. That's amazing. How did uh, how did it feel to have the Ultra Four out there with the Rock Racing Series? Um, it felt really neat. Um, I wish there was a little bit bigger turnout. Mm-hmm. On it. Um, it wasn't a huge, huge turnout, and I. I'm hoping that at one of them, I haven't really researched it a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I kind of ran into the doing it all, and my brother had an endurance bike, and I was like, well, I'm going to steal your endurance bike, and I'm going to go race. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's kind of how it just kind of happened real quick and right there. And uh, But I really I want to see if they bring, like, the 4,400 cars and stuff to a race that yeah. we race at. Because I've never, I've never seen the 4,400 cars run in person. So, so let me tell you um, – I don't know if you're gonna gonna make it down, but April twelfth and thirteenth at Adventure Off Road Park, they actually have a full blown East Coast Ultra Four race. Um, I'll be down there doing interviews the entire weekend, so if you wanna if you wanna meet up, we can do that. Um, but we'll be down there. Um, I know a lot of the guys from out really far west. I talked to a couple of them. Um, they're not coming. It's the guys that are in the Midwest and who race out east. Uh, there's gonna be a pretty big turnout. And I don't know, have you ever been to Adventure Off-Road Park? No, I haven't. So it is, you know, it, Southern Wheeling at its best. It's big rocks, tight trails, 
And the thing that blows my mind, uh, in, in Ultra 4, they do the 30-second staggered, uh, you know, race start. And uh, they're going to run these full-size 4400 cars too wide on some really tight Tennessee trails. And they're going to do 30-second release times. And I'll tell you, Adventure is the park I've been to the most outside of Windrock. And it... I've heard, I've heard it's a brutal park. Like it, it's, it's, it's nasty. It's nasty. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that wild factor. So, so the width factor is where I think that people are going to run into issues because, uh, you know, I've been down those in a razor, a lot of those main trails, and on the ones where the big, you know, the 4400 cars are probably going to be racing, uh, it's probably wide enough for two razors, 100% not wide enough for two full-size rigs, but uh, <laughs> I can tell you that, you know, from what I've heard about the hammers and things like that, um, this is nothing like the Ultra 4 guys from the West have ever seen. I can I can tell you right now. Uh, in the Ultra 4 series, there's never been a race like this. In the Southern Rock Racing series, the closest thing that's ever happened is when they did the side-by-side, -side, you know, shootout drag race um, up the hills together. And the fact that they're going to have tons of drivers out there, uh, this is something I'm trying to stress over and over to people. Come out, watch, for you, race. Go race. Um, I don't know if you can still sign up, but um, I'm sure you can. Go and be a part of this because this is going to be one of the most brutal East Coast races that has ever been in the Ultra 4. Uh, it's going to be nasty, and I'm super excited to go watch because the park itself is about 500 acres. Um, like I said, it's super tight wheeling. Um, not a joke as far as the rocks go, and it's going to be nasty, and they're going to have a lot of cars on that course. Um, so... It's going to be something, like I said, I've never seen before, um, and I'm not sure if the if, if the Ultra Four has ever had something like this either. Uh, if you can make it that down there, awesome. man, that, that definitely sounds awesome. That sounds like it's going to be a wild time. It, that's I'm, that's all I can think about is you know I'm trying to find figure out where they're going to do the loop because the loop they have in the park, you know, it's not like this isn't necessarily a park that's designed in a loop structure. Um, it's definitely segregated, you know big black black diamond sections over here and then on the opposite side of the park there's another black black trail section and you're going to have to they're going to connect it somehow so uh it's going to be That'll crazy be yeah oh it's going to be it's going to be crazy so like i said i'm trying to put the word out for him because uh you know you definitely don't want to miss it i i wonder i'm really interested i actually now you make me want to go down there oh hey <laughs> man i'll tell you if there's I'm, how they like compared you know in the rock bouncing so mm -hmm. like it sounds to me like that. Like everybody I've heard about that park and talked to, mm -hmm. that park's like a rock bouncer park. It is the rockiest park I've been to in Tennessee, outside of like, uh, you know, you know, you ever been to Winrock and rode like 15, and and the trails right out of the parking lot at Winrock. Yeah, I've rode a few of them. Yeah, they're just rough as all get out and big boulders. That's how this park is everywhere. It's just huge, like rock gardens, but the boulders are you know the size of a Prius. It's huge. Huh. So, I mean, I'm serious. If there's some way that I can help you get down here or anything I can do to help you get down here, uh, if I can get you to race, man, I, I'll do anything I can to do that. Um, I'm trying to get more people in it, and uh, it's going to be, like I said, they've got a little a little course that they have, like a little short track. I think that they'll probably do some kind of qualifying on. But as far as the okay. actual woods race goes, man, I don't even, I just don't understand. I don't see how it's going to work, <laughs> honestly. That that's always the best when you when you just don't quite know that's when it really <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, I'm looking forward to it like I said if I can make it happen uh, let me know.
Yeah, I got. I didn't even really know that much about it. I'm gonna have to actually research that and, and look into it. Yeah, you absolutely. Uh, um, but but outside of that, you said you did the Ultra Four Endurance Series. Um, that's gonna that's gonna. I think that's gonna continue throughout the race season, correct? Yeah. Okay. So what's actually gonna? You're not gonna like hear a lot about it right now because they got a couple races that are completely separate from the SRS. Mm-hmm. And then they come back in. They have three more races with the SRS. Okay. That was kind of the deal. Like I, I signed up for, um, cause see I'm running, so I'll be running like the SRS and I'm running the bounty series mm-hmm. uh, because it's nice when they pack them into one weekend. Because right. then it's, I'm only one weekend away from work. Yeah. So I can go and, and, and I can slam as much racing I can into one weekend and then I can come back home, go back to work. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so it's hard for me to get away a bunch of weekends in a row. Yeah, definitely. Yes, uh, you know, just brutal. So what me and my brother do is we try to work it out where, like, it kind of works out good with me doing the hill killing and him mm-hmm. doing the dirt, where I'll run the hill killing stuff and then he'll go run the endurance stuff, and we kind of stagger our weekends away from work so, you know, one of us can take care of business stuff the other than the other one. Because yeah. we actually, we're open six days a week. Our yards. So, like, even right now as we're talking, there's probably, I actually live at one of our yards. We got a house right next to it. Yeah. Like literally my main office, the yards 150 feet away. That's pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, so like I, I can look outside right now and, and there's probably 15, 20 customers out here right now, Man. Um, you know, doing stuff, which, you know, we, so we, we try to like to stay, you know, within reason close mm-hmm. bike, anything worse was to happen, you know, in our yards, whether they need, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. um, and so it works out good doing that. So we kind of work together on what races. And there's races we both go to, definitely. But, yeah. you know, got to kind of work all that stuff in. So. Yeah, yeah. I think that that makes your, you know, like the, the Wolf Racing team, uh, I think that makes it a lot more, uh, you're going to get a lot more, like, popularity and a little more uh, notoriety because you guys are going to be there more often. So I think that that's awesome uh, that you guys have kind of worked out that schedule. Um, yeah. But, but, yeah, but. And the other thing is, is just for anybody listening, it's probably going to end up. So I used to, it used to be Wolf Racing, mm-hmm. and then I started doing stuff, and a bunch of guys that do Facebook and all that, and they're like, "Hey, you need to change it to all Wolf Racing because," because I kept getting a bunch of friend requests on my personal page, you mm-hmm. know, and all these guys trying to follow me, and I was like, "Well, I have a page for racing. Like, you guys can go here and and you know check out all the racing stuff." Well, I talked to a bunch of guys, and they're like, "Well, change your racing to Paul Wolf Racing," and then when people type it in. Gotcha. It'll come up, you know, and they'll be able to find it. Gotcha. So I did. I changed it to that, and then now it's like, well, Christy races with me. My brother races. Now mm-hmm. I now feel a little, a little. I don't know. I guess conceited or whatever that yeah. I have <laughs> racing on the side of everybody's stuff. You yeah. know. Well, so. it's it's about branding, you know. I mean, you know just as well <laughs> as I do. You gotta you gotta get that name, and once you got a little following behind it, you gotta stick with it. So uh, I'm yeah. I'm sure that no one no one is no one's more hard on yourself than you are. So uh, I wouldn't think too much <laughs> about it. So, yeah, and that that was the whole thing. We we discussed changing it back to Wolf Racing mm-hmm. because it's like me, my brother, you know. That way, it's a little more, you know, kind of all of us included because you know he's a huge part of it. Yeah, you know, absolutely. That, you know, Christie's a huge part of it. You know, they all we all work together. We all you know work on the bikes together. Literally, there's four Can-Ams in the shop right now. That's crazy, man. <laughs> Didn't work on so. You know, we all do all that stuff together and. uh you know, keep them going, and we'll swap parts if we have to to make sure somebody can make it to a race. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it's it's been stuff like at Windrock, I stole the endurance shocks off of his bike. Yeah, yeah. I took the shocks off his bike so I could go run my second run. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know? that's awesome. So, you know, it's definitely. But another thing I was going to hit is I was going to ask you about. Uh, I would listen to one of your podcasts. I don't remember which one it was. You guys were talking about like the 72 inch wide bikes versus the 64. That was something I wanted to bring up too because you know uh, just to, to throw a little bit of a shade at all the Razor guys. Uh, everyone in the Razor world, when the um, wider Can-Am came out, said, "Oh, it'll never fit down a trail. No one wants that." And then all of a sudden, the Turbo S comes out, and it's the greatest thing ever made. Um, so, w- talk about you know because you mentioned that you had both of them. Um, what are the differences? How do you feel about it? What are your thoughts on the wider versus the more narrow, and what seems to do better for you? Uh, so, in the racing that uh, I do, this is funny. You asked me like to come up on the subject. And part of the reason I thought about it is I ripped that shock off. Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons why I would say I struggled there more mm-hmm. than Tim and everybody else is they all run 64-inch wide bikes. They could shoot through the same trees I did and mm-hmm. have, you know, almost a foot more clearance. Yeah, yeah, you, absolutely. You know, or whatever. And so that's one of the benefits of the 64. You know, you go through tree sections like that. But then if you watch the end of that run where – I shoot it up the hill and it comes over and lands on its side and it's all out of shape and the bike settles back down and takes off. Mm-hmm. That's one of the benefits to a 72 inch wide car. Absolutely. You, can, you know, you got a little, little more stability there. And the, and like as far as shock travel goes, um, I actually run on my new race bike. I run the 72 inch wide, uh, a arms, trailing arms and all that with the 64 inch wide shocks. Ooh. Uh, and the reason being is, is your normal 72-inch wide stuff have bypasses built yeah. into the shop. And the bypasses, the internal bypasses like that are extremely hard to tune. Because mm-hmm. um, you literally got to pull the whole shock apart. and you got to either weld the hole up or open the hole up. you got to drill it out. Yeah. It's really hard. You can't just make a shim stack change or, mm-hmm. you know, because you're the puck, the way the puck's designed, it's you're kind of stuck with it. Yeah. And, uh so it's really hard to make tuning adjustments, you know, and until you, you know, once you, once you get it dialed in close, you got the fine tune adjustments, but it's really hard to get set in the general direction, you know? And so, uh, I wanted to go away from them shocks a little bit and try these XDS shocks out because they're, you know, a lot easier to, to work with. They mm-hmm. don't have the bypasses built into them and we're, you know, and so we're trying them out and so far they're working, they work just fine. Good. Um, but we actually limited some of the travel in the bikes. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have as much travel as we had before, which I don't think it hinders you that much. I really don't. Yeah. Um, I think the, like on, on both the Can-Ams and the Razors, some of that travel they have mm-hmm. is a little bit, I'm trying to think, it's it's almost too much. It's unnecessary. Uh, yeah, because like the Can-Am, so you take a stock Can-Am, and if you take all the springs off the shocks and you bottom it out, all the way out, it'll lay the, the skid plate on the ground mm. with the tires aired up. Man. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, it, oh, like, I mean, it, it, or if it's not on the ground, it has like a half inch of clearance. Yeah. You know? So in reality, when you're jumping across somewhere with rocks or anything and you bottom that bike all the way out, yep. you're probably smacking skid plate off stuff. I was about to say, you're going to feel that right in your back. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and the Ray, the new Razor S's, they're the same way. Yeah. You know, they're 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 wanting to claim, and both both uh, manufacturers are guilty of it. They want to claim we have the most suspension travel. Mm-hmm. Well, 
is it usable travel? That is that is the huge thing that I hear over and over and over again. Is like, oh well, this one has more travel, and and it's you know to me, I always ran into the argument on the full size rigs where Jeeps would want more flex or more travel out of their suspension, and that doesn't always make it the best, you know, exact same conversation. Like, more flex can sometimes hurt you. More suspension travel can, can it's really kind of pointless at a certain degree. Uh, that's, it's the same kind of like, I don't want to say it, but like kind of like pissing argument just to make it one yeah. sound better than the other. For sure. Definitely, you know, and, and, and that just goes to say, like, on our I'm going to tell one of our secrets here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, our, front, our front shocks, we actually shorten them so they don't they don't stretch out as far. Yeah, I think that's um, amazing. And, and it's just, it helps with weight transfer in the bike. And, and there, there's more to it. You can't just go short the front shocks and mm-hmm. gain all the benefit from that. Yeah, yeah. You're going to have people cutting like two inches out of their uh, out of the piston <laughs> in the shock. <laughs> there's, a little, there's a little more to it than just doing that. You know, yeah. There's a few other factors that kind of all work together. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, and a little plug for Gary Hinkle. You know, he's the guy that does my suspension and he can tell you all all the benefits and withdrawals and all that too. does he have a does he have a, a business name or an instagram or anything like that where people can go check him out yeah uh g-force racing g-force racing. G-Force, g-force technology sorry okay g-force technology okay yeah. is he on uh he's on facebook yeah he's on facebook um i share him and tag him and post all the time um he was actually at winrock um and, and this is a testament you know to him uh, I really, really put his shocks on, ran them. Um, we went to Windrock. We raced. I broke that rear shock. And mm-hmm. he was there because he does uh, the endurance racing. He has a factory Can-Am rider mm-hmm. that he, he'll go to he'll go to races if you ask him or whatever. Yeah. And he has to close. And, and he'll help anybody that's on, on his suspension. It doesn't matter what you're doing, who you are. If you're the championship guy or you're the bottom of the barrel, you know, he don't, he don't care. Yeah. He'll, if you buy parts from him, he's dedicated to you. And, uh, so he, he come over to me and he's like, he knew I broke the shock and, uh, he ran over there and we pulled the, the shocks off the endurance bike, which are really, the spring rates are the same, but the, the valving on them is completely different. You know? mm-hmm. Two different bikes. And, uh, he, he sat there and he goes, well, I'm going to, he counted what I had the shock set at and he goes, I'm going to change these. I should be able to get them pretty close. And this is off of guessing, you know, you got different shim sacks in there and he guessed and he got them. I mean, you couldn't. I couldn't tell a difference. That's driving. amazing. Let's let's put it that way. You know, that's I ran it. Felt like I was on the same exact bike I was in. You know, the first. You know. Yeah, that's a, that, that's ex, that's just a testament to experience and, and good craftsmanship and good skill. Yeah, you know, and so, you know, I, and then there's no way. I mean, I could have changed the shocks out myself. You know, yeah. and I would have been able to make the second run, but I don't think I would have had as good a run as I had without him. There's no way. Yeah. Because I wouldn't have been able to. You know, I wouldn't have been able to guess and get them shocks that close. There's unless it was just dumb luck. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, and absolutely. so that and that's one of the things. And he helps like Travis Skelton. He does his shock. You know, he does he does a lot more shocks than people realize. Kyle Cheney, you know, he he does a lot of big names, mm-hmm. and, and these guys all go to him because of what he's capable of. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's something to be said for going to. I mean. Let somebody else figure out the hard way that somebody's no good. And if everybody's using the same guy, man, hit him up. Obviously, something's working, you know? Yeah, and he's and he's a real down-to-earth guy. Uh, you call, you talk to him. You don't, you know, every time I call, he's the one, you know, he may have to call you back because he, he not only builds the shocks and answers the phone and, <laughs> and he kind of does everything.
anything. So you leave him a message and he'll call you back by the end of the day. I've never had a day where I left him a message and he hasn't called me back. That's amazing. That's that's uh, so, that's the difference that makes uh, makes somebody you know you want to do business with somebody. Yeah. So you know, and, that, and that's pretty cool. You know, not to get all completely off subject, but you know, that's something you know he's really good at and he takes really good care of people. So I gotta definitely give hats off to him for helping me and stuff. And then back to our conversation mm-hmm. of the 72 and the 64. So I've got a trail bike. I run the 72 and I really don't have problem, but I got tree kickers on it and yeah. I'm not afraid to lay it against a tree and spin it around. Sure. You know, so with, I mean, I know some people get a little leery of doing that with their new bike, which mm-hmm. I understand. You know, I completely understand that. Yeah. Uh, but it's something, you know, I, I bought it to ride. I'm gonna ride it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm hey, I'm one of those guys that like the first times I run through my plastics, I cringed and it hurt. And I had someone who actually listens to the podcast. I got stuck on a hill the other day and just got dug out. And he's like, "Well, you can reverse out." And I'm like, "Well, there's a tree, and I'm not over my tail lights yet because you know." He's like, "You can just bob your bed, and, you know, all this and that." I'm like, "I still like my tail lights. <laughs> I'm not ready for it yet." <laughs> <laughs> someday I will do it, but they're not destroyed yet, so I'm not going to purposely not, destroy not them. Until I rip them all off. Yeah, when exactly. Rip them all off, that's when I'll start. Exactly. I'll start doing it. Exactly. And, you know, so back to that whole conversation, like uh, you know, my, it's a full body, has a radio in it. You know, I mean, it's it's a literally a full blown bike. The only thing it has different the radiators in the back. Okay. Because I I smashed that once. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh. Like we'll, we'll run through all the trails, and I don't have any problems with getting it through the trails. Mm-hmm. And, and partially because I race, and I'm not, a, I can judge really well on the width yeah. of the thing. And so I can see where some people in a 72 would maybe cringe to go through places yeah. where it doesn't bother me as much. Um, but most of the time, pretty much anywhere, like unless you get into a really slow section where it's a tight on a 64 inch bike, mm-hmm. but like all your general riding trails. Mm-hmm. Even people go, oh, this is made for a narrow bike. I can run right through it in a 72-inch bike. Yeah. Um, but I will say when it comes to endurance racing, that 64-inch wide bike, yeah. I can go run that same trail, uh-huh. and I'll run it 15 mile an hour faster. Yeah. yeah because no. I'm not more comfortable because I'm like, oh, I'm nowhere close to a tree. So let me ask you this. So I'm, I'm someone who's looking to go buy a Can-Am, and uh, I live in the southeast uh, you know, I'm, do I go get the 64 or do I go get the 72? Because the 72 does have benefits on its own, things like that. Um, you know, which one, which one are you going to tell me to go buy? I personally like the uh, 72. Okay. Um, just because like, especially in this, like if you're doing like your average rider does a little more crawling, mm-hmm. they're normally not running super fast through the trails. Mm-hmm. And if you're not afraid, like, you know, to, uh, like, I'll get into trees and I'll, I'll let the front tires rub up against trees, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, fit through places that, that doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. I know some people are really particular and they don't, they're worried about scratching their rims or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, then you probably want a 64. <laughs> well, you probably want something other than a side by side. Yeah. You know, and I've, I've ran into people like that on the trail. They're like, how'd you go through there? I'm like, oh, let it slide down the tree kicker. That's yeah. what it's there for. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I don't want to scratch up my bike. And I'm like, well, I'm. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I can't relate. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I, I don't go out and try to rip my plastics off my bike. Right. But if they get scratched up, well, they got scratched up. Yeah. And yeah. you know, so depending on how you ride, like 
I like this 72. I notice I take the front sway bar off mine. Mm-hmm. I uh, pull it off, and and it's, it still has uh, – it's actually getting a Halo 30 because I'm getting ready to go to Windrock to ride for a week in July. Um, but uh, with the stock diff, I notice without the front sway bar on it, it'll flex and move around enough that uh, it'll rock crawl really well. Good. Like, yeah, that's really, really good. Really and uh, another thing that we're going to do is we're going to put a – they make an electric disconnect sway bar now mm. for them. Yeah. Uh, Halo rockers do. And so I talked to him, and he's had really good success out of it. So I was like, fine, I'm buying one. <laughs> there you and go. He convinced me to do it, so I'm going to put it on my trail bike for when we go to Windrock. That mm-hmm. way I can, you know, you just push a button and it disconnects. And, and then you can actually take advantage of that, you know, two foot of travel. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it will actually benefit you a little bit more just with, you know, them few little things. And so with that, that aspect of it, I noticed that, like, the 72-inch wide bike will crawl up ledges and stuff easier mm-hmm. than the 64s do. Um, but if you're doing, like, more of, like, a, I say, a GNCC style or, like, an endurance-style mm-hmm. race, like riding, where you ride more aggressively through the woods and you're trying to carry speed, yeah. I will say 64-inch wide bike um, you feel more comfortable in yeah. because you're, like, you're narrower. So you're like, oh, I can fit through here. I don't even got to let off the gas. Yeah. You know, so it really, I think it depends on the rider and what they're going to do. Okay. Well, I think that that's, I think that that's a definitely like a sufficient answer. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been in the 72 inch before and it's, it's bigger, but it's really not that much bigger. Hey, you can, exactly what you said, you can get through and, uh, you know, you might get a couple extra, extra scratches here and there, but at the end of the day, you know, you're out there beating on the machine. So it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, bouncing back to the race season for this this year, um, obviously you're going to be at all the Southern Rock Racing Series events. Uh, is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yep. All the Southern Rock Racing Series. Um, you know, there's a there's a chance you'll be at the, some of the Pro Rock. If not, maybe your brother will be. Um, the Ultra Four uh, East Coast Endurance Racing. You'll be at all of those or some of those. Um, I'll be at some of those. Okay. Endurance racing. Uh. So we're wanting to, we're probably, I'll probably run all of them that are in junction with Southern Rock Racing. Right. Um, and then we'll run the Bounty Series that's also in junction with Southern Rock, like the normal Southern Rock races. Mm-hmm. And then the Pro Rock races, any of them I can make it to, I'll go hit. Okay. And then, so that that's the main thing. There might be like an odd race. I might get bored because mm-hmm. we have a big gap in the middle of, uh, I think, June and July. Mm-hmm. We're like, there's no races, so I'll probably get antsy and go race somewhere. Yeah, I was about to say, it's just so hot. I know I know why they take a break for a while. Yeah, definitely. And uh, so, and depending on, we got that big trip we, we do in July. Um, my whole family, sorry, I shouldn't say we, my whole family does. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll, we'll actually, I think there's probably 15 or 20 of us that all go out riding. Yeah. And. You know, and so we're, we're actually going to Wind Rock this year. That's amazing, man. You guys are going to have so a blast. If you guys are out here and you see us, you know, come and say hi or whatever. Anybody's listening, you know, more than welcome. We're all pretty open and happy to let anybody join in that wants. <laughs> yeah, so are you guys going to ride just Wind Rock? Are you guys going to – one thing that me and my clan do when we go out there, um, we'll start at Wind Rock and we'll ride to Brimstone or we'll ride to Royal Blue uh, from Wind Rock uh, just via trails and roads and things like that. Uh, do you guys go out there and just hit trails, or y'all going to try to go somewhere or go see um, something? So we're just kind of going out there, open um, to anything. So this is this is like 
we probably messed up. So a couple years back, it ain't real often we all, like, we went to Colorado last year. Every year we try to go on one big riding trip. Yeah. And I'm from Southern Illinois, so it's an eight-and-a-half-hour drive, eight-hour drive yeah. to uh, Windrock for us. Yeah, that's a big one. You know, and so we went out to Royal Blue. It's been, uh, I've probably been, it was before I started racing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, you know, racing Southern Rock stuff. And we went out there riding, and uh, we didn't realize it at the time, but I'm assuming we rode, we, we dropped, and I forgot what campground we stayed at, but we got in the park, or got into part of the riding, and it was not that, it was like just a little section, and we covered it all in no time. We're yeah, like, Royal Blue is not awesome. It's okay, but not not awesome. And, and see, and that's kind of the impression we got, and so like, we were really like kind of turned off to it. We're like, mm-hmm. right, we don't go out there anymore, we'll go. And we'll go to these other parks that we know, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we've had a lot more fun at. And so then uh, we ended up, my brother's actually out here testing his endurance bike right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys can hear him in the background. But um, anyways, so like we'll, we uh, got kind of turned off when I started racing and we went out to Windrock and, and everybody was talking about it. And I was like, all right, let's go run some trails. Like yeah. I want to go see. Mm-hmm. And so we went and ran it, and then I found out, you know, how big it was, and I found out, you know, all this information. I'm like, okay, well, this is, like, what I want. This is the ride I wanted to yeah. do. So I finally convinced the rest of our family, like, we got to go out here. And they're like, well, we went to Royal Blue, and it was just fire roads, and it was kind of not fun. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, no, this park's way better, mm-hmm. I promise. And so I finally got them all convinced, and they all looked it up, and they're like, all right, cool, so we're going to go and ride but we've never really rode there like we haven't mm-hmm. i mean i've covered a trail for like two hours three hours i rode in the park so so let me tell you uh, there's a guy out there i don't have his information um one of the guys i go with he has all of it hooked up for him um he has every trail in winrock brimstone royal blue all mapped together and he also has them hooked up to twra land which is like a public land that you can go hunt on and trail ride on um, the only okay. thing that you'll need is a high impact license, uh, from Tennessee. It's like 18 bucks per person. Uh, and what we do is, uh, you can do some Googling, uh, in Brimstone, there's something called the eternal flame, which is just a crack in the ground where there's a, a fire that's been going for, you know, who knows how long. And you can, I don't think it's supposed to, you can put it out and then you can light a, light a match and throw it down there and it just blows back up again. Um, it's always lit. Um, there's tons of waterfalls, uh, finding the old Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary is really cool. They just turned that into a distillery, which is really close to Windrock. Um, there's tons of things out there, the windmills, uh, that you can do. And especially, it sounds like you guys move pretty quick. Um, if you move fast enough, uh, we would do, I think one weekend we did something like 400 miles in two days. And, uh, it's, it's amazing. I mean, it's amazing. What I would really strongly recommend, though, is um, downloading a, a map to a GPS unit for Windrock and try and find the TWRA lands. And I can send these to you after the, after we get done with the podcast. Yeah, uh, definitely send send. And I didn't, I didn't know if anybody had a map like that. I've actually been talking to a few people I race with, and because mm-hmm. everybody knows trails there, like from there, yeah. I'll like, oh, go over here, and I'm like, does anybody have a like GPS out on a map because I'm not familiar with yeah, so yeah. you can't tell me, you know, to go to this point and then go over here. You yeah, know, yeah. Uh, well, well, I'll get that information over to you. Um, I think it was like maybe a couple hundred bucks, and uh, you got all the maps, and, and the guy has mapped out like every side trail 
and there's a few on there that we found that like you know had like sunk in or something like that and you couldn't cross them but you're never going to find somewhere that you you know you're not you're never going to be abandoned you're never going to get lost uh it's got twra and it's even got uh you know if you google it and you pre-plan ahead you can plan a route and get to everything that you want to get to like site wise because um, a lot of those trails aren't marked or anything and having a little gps a little garmin or ipad set up uh, with all the maps saved on there, dude, you could ride for a month and not ride the same trail twice. Okay, see, that's awesome to me. That, that yeah. right there, like, and, and you know, and I, I like finding information because, like, we went to Colorado too, and we mm-hmm. just happened to meet up with locals out there. Yeah, and it's the same way out there. Like, if you go there enough and you know a little bit, mm-hmm. you can ride all over the place. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know, and, and it's kind of <laughs> I think it's, I don't know, I, I have my opinion about it. Yeah. But people will put, like, private property signs right up next to the road. Right. To what makes you feel like you're driving down a rock lane or something. Yep. That's out. So you'll turn around and go back. Yep. And then you'll find out from locals, no, no, that's a road. You can ride that. That's yeah. federal ground. They're, I don't know what they're doing. Yeah. 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 There's a little bit of that out there. And uh, I know there's one where there was, like, someone had put up, like, big chain wire and whatnot. It's, like, no trespassing. But you know, 500 feet behind that, there's a sign that says TWRA public land. And it's just like, well, that would have killed our entire trip, you know? Yeah, you know, and, and there's people that do that stuff, you know, and it's like, you know, I have my opinion about them, like I said. Yeah, yeah. I keep it to myself. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, and it's nice to, like, you know, I would highly suggest, I don't know if you do it, if you know where to find maps and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, what I'll do is I'll actually include that uh, in the in the pre-roll for the podcast. So for those listening, you guys will have that information. Um, and I'll get that information over to you. I'll text my guy here in just a few minutes and see if I can't get that for you. And uh, I think he, he ends up just sending you like a file that you upload to your GPS and you go from there. Yeah, see, that'd be awesome. That'd yeah. be st- that definitely be something interested in. Yeah, for sure. Um, and and if you guys do get a chance, if y'all are going to be out there for a while, Windrock is is really rocky and rough. It's a little, it's a, in my opinion, it's a little harder to go fast. Um, Brimstone, you can get moving pretty quick. Um, Brimstone is is really cool, and it's just down the road. Um, like I said, you can even get to Brimstone from Windrock uh, via trails and. Um, is that on the north side of Windrock? Or yeah, side? yeah, it is going to be on the northeast side. So Windrock is kind of, in, and for those listening, I could be totally wrong, but if my understanding is correct, Windrock is kind of like southwest of the center of it all. You cross the interstate, and you end up in Brimstone, and you kind of come back south a little bit, like southeast from Brimstone, and that's when you hit Royal Blue. And... Um, so it's all connected. Um, there's, I think there's like a couple sections where you may have to jump on a road for a minute, but, uh, you know, I think you'd be all right. You, didn't, you know, y'all didn't hear it here, but uh, we've jumped on there with my buggy and stuff like that. And, you know, I've passed state troopers before and they, they're, they're pretty, they're pretty good out there. Yeah. I, I know we went with a bunch of buddies racing down there and we ended up going through McDonald's. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Man. I have no idea where we were at, but I will admit the people at McDonald's, didn't even like that was normal yeah like we pulled in and i'm like we're we're gonna this is gonna go downhill somewhere you know and i'm like because i'm used to like up where we're at you know if you run on the roads and stuff we'll run on some back roads yeah if you need a cop you might want to get on it pretty hard yeah yeah no i mean i'll tell you i got one story that is just crazy uh petros is the name of the city where the brushy mountain state prison is and you can drive i mean trail 21 or 27 in winrock will dump you into a creek 
it's one it's the craziest thing. It'll dump you right out to the prison if you go up just a little bit. But we pulled into town, we sat at the the local, you know, kind of diner and got a pizza and we're talking to some I think he was like the owner of the diner. He was owner of the bar down the road and he was like on like the city council. Like it's super small town. And um this guy was telling us how to get back to uh Windrock and he's like, Yeah, just go through this neighborhood and then get in the creek and then you, you know, take this trail and you'll shoot you back on trail twenty one. And first off I was like where are we? <laughs> what what year is it? Um, but but second, on top of that, uh, his bar down the road. I kid you not, Paul, had a drive through, like beer, and you could just. <laughs> we drove up, and I think we were. I think we showed up on like a late Saturday night or something, and we drove up on our razors, and you can literally go through the drive through and get a beer. And no, I was just I, like, I was like, all right, <laughs> like I may be ruining somebody's good time here, but. It was probably one of the funniest things I've ever experienced because we saw it. We saw there was a drive-through. We walk up. Next thing you know, we're like in there talking to him. We actually met some guys who were from the Tennessee Ghost Hunters who were going to stay in the prison for that night. Um, That's but, awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. The people you meet out there, Paul, just they're, it's you, you, it's a huge spectrum. I'll say it like that. You meet a bunch of different yeah. people, and uh, we walk up and they're like, "Yeah, you can drive through the drive-through and get a beer." And I was just like. Is this not illegal here? <laughs> like, <laughs> that is so awesome. Yeah. So uh, do some do some exploring. Um, do do a do some research ahead of time. There's tons of stuff to see out there. Um, one thing I'd really recommend is googling the Dragon's Back because it'll actually take you to a mountain, uh, a mountaintop where they used to mine sandstone, and there's so much residue left over from when they mined it that it's like a beach on top of this mountain. Um, I've been there a bunch of times. It's really cool. Uh, but you can literally pick up, you know, you can do sand donuts. There's not dunes or anything, but there's enough to get in there and really throw up some sand. And it's it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I think it's called Panama City uh, is like the name of the kind of area. That's awesome. Yeah. Like I, I, that, that's something. And seeing like that's the thing. We went to Royal Blue. Yeah. And when you type in Royal Blue, you come up with 9,000 campgrounds. Yeah, there's there's a it's bunch really, of different it's, things. It's kind of hard to find good information about, like, like all the information. I found a lot of this stuff out through people I race with. Yeah. You know, and, like, and then, like, you find out for, especially us, like, northern, you know, I guess I'm up north. I should call myself a northern. I really sure. don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, from, like, uh, up here, you know, we can't go out and ride like that. Like, yeah. you know, there's people around us, they'll, they'll flat out shoot you. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, well, I will know. say, be careful who you run up on, because uh, I know one guy's, a couple guys will have, you know, some stuff on, wrapped around their legs and, you know, pistols yeah. you can't see, stuff like that. So I always tell people, if you're going to go out and you're going to be out at night, um, make sure you've got something to protect yourself with. Yeah, you know, and, and, you know, and it's like, but around here, like, yeah, you guys can, like, ride you know, government property and mm-hmm. jump around. We don't have that, especially where I'm from. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all farm ground. So it's flat, it's farm ground, and it's owned by somebody. You yeah. Know? It, it, none of it's government owned. It's all owned by somebody, and mm-hmm. it's all farm ground, and, and they don't let you ride unless you know the people personally. You don't ride and jump, you know, from property to property or, yeah. or and, you know, whatever. So, like, when we go down there, you know, like, I, we're all – relatively hesitant on like you know we see no trespassing signs we're like ah okay let's not go that way but yeah. then you know like but then we found out like colorado and that people do that just to detour people that's, you know and, and what you're doing is completely legal 
you know, and it's where yeah. it can go. But it's nice to have somewhere to find that information out. Like, hey, these are places you can actually ride. This here's a little gray area, but these are all legit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, you know, what. After the podcast, I'll send you. Um, I'll send you some some a bunch of different material that we found. We go up there. I think one year we went up there. 10 times for a weekend and we just rode for you know we do eight hours one way and eight hours back yeah see that that's awesome i think that'd be great you know and not just for me i imagine there's there's a lot more people than just me that probably would look for information like that yeah and and uh you know for those listening i'll, I'll put some information on the podcast facebook uh, facebook.com slash racing on the rocks and um i'll put it out there because you know it's one of those things that uh, that's the best riding I've ever ever seen in my life, hands down. Yeah, it, it's definitely it's something. We like we said, we rode it for I think I think about three hours. We were out there mm-hmm. one after, after racing. We yeah. went with a couple guys that were locals, and you know and they ran us around through some of the, like this is a cool spot to look out. You know, let's go over here real quick. Yeah. So we stopped over. You know, we we were moving, and they're like, oh, don't worry, you ain't covered none of the parts. Yeah, like you just pretty much got in the front gate it's, it's something like 175,000 acres altogether. yeah it's crazy it, it's an insane amount especially when you go from like aop and and parks like on this yeah. side like on the west side of the state where they're like 500,000 acres is huge yeah yeah and then go out there and they're like yeah this park's you know 72,000 acres and this one's 50,000 and you can ride all of them it's like oh my so there's a lot of property cover yeah absolutely absolutely well, I'll tell you what, Paul, um, we're just now barking on two hours, so, uh, oh, wow. well, yeah, I know, it goes quick, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, if you want to go ahead and, uh, if there's anybody you want to give a shout out to, if there's anybody, you know, sponsors, people, anything like that, feel free, uh, now's your time. Alright, uh, yeah, Christy and my brother Nathan, I gotta give a shout out to both of them, and my younger brother Tommy, uh, without all them, I'm my family, there's no way I could do this, what I do. Um, and this is still pretty cool to me that people call me wanting to do an interview. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. So, um, a huge thanks to them to allowing me to you know kind of chase my dream, so to speak, and uh, do this stuff. And not only that, to do it with me also, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then I got to give a shout out to all my sponsors, uh, you know, Halo Lockers, RCB, HCR Suspension, um, Gear Grabber Shifters, E-Power Steering, Pitbull Tires, and uh, Gary at uh, G-Force. So all them guys, awesome job. I greatly appreciate all your help and supporting me and allowing me to kind of do what I love and, and uh, chase this dream of, of racing. So, and that, that's pretty awesome. And then a little shout-out to anybody going to King of the Hammers next year. Uh, if you guys got any good information about it, I'm planning on going right now. I'm pretty confident we're going to go out there just to check it all out yeah. i don't know if i'll face or not but yeah uh, i would i would uh, i've got a few guys that i'll send you the information um and uh dustin robbins uh his podcast will be up soon he's the all things utv owner and he, he races that that unit um he talks a lot about king of hammers and his experience um this part two of hubert roland he talks about king of hammers quite a bit and uh um, yeah. Listen to that. Yeah, uh, James Cantrell too mentions it a little bit, um, but but Dustin he raced last year and um, he's going to race this year and he uh, he's going this for this next year twenty twenty. Uh, he's got he's got he's got his eyes set on uh, trying to win. So uh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so I would uh, yeah. I definitely will, would would recommend getting with him. Um, he's actually racing this weekend at the Stampede. 
um, in his okay. uh, in his brand new uh, Turbo S Velocity unit. So, hmm. yeah, I think he actually snagged the one that won King of Hammers. He actually just picked it up. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. He 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 was like, you know, man, it works good. So <laughs> I know it works. Yeah, that, that is true. I didn't think about that. You know, it works good if it, if it did that. Yeah. But uh, if that's if that's all you got, man, um, it's been amazing talking to you. This has probably been one of my favorite podcasts we've done so far. Um, it's just been really nice to get to talk to not only uh, a super nice guy, but somebody who races a completely different platform than everyone else, um, who's going to be out there exploring new things, has a great history, and, and most importantly, is, uh, is the current champion of the UTV series. So... Uh, I'm uh, really excited about getting this out to everybody, and I'll let you know how it goes. And uh, from there, yeah, sure. we're just... And, and that goes for anybody that races Can-Ams or has general questions. You Feel free, you know. Um, that That's kind of what people, you know, help me, sponsor me, and all that for is to help, you know, average riders. Like, you did that little podcast with uh, Hubert about, you know, majority of the market's an average rider. It's not a, mm-hmm. a racer. So... Anybody that wants, you know, any information, and I, like I said, I don't put nothing, I try not to put nothing on my race bike that I don't think I need. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I don't, I don't go put stuff on there just to say I have it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that, I think that's it, a super important thing. You know, it, it's, it's what I think I need to race, and you can ask me, and I'll tell you the reason, I'll tell you any reason why to anybody, why I run, what product I run, you know, whatever, you know, so feel free to ask me, and, and I'll, I'll help you any way I can. You know, I know a lot of people ain't got a, a ton of money to put into a bike. You know, I mean, it's a huge investment in itself. So, you know, I'm not here to try to force products down your throat. And I tell, I told everyone my sponsors that whenever they got on board with me, I told them flat out, I'm not here to push a product I don't believe in, and I will not do it. Mm-hmm. And I still stand behind that to this very moment. So, well, that's amazing, man. Uh, people on Instagram, Facebook, where can they find you? Uh, Facebook's more, you can find me on Instagram at Paul Wolf Racing, but I'm more active on Facebook. Um, Facebook, you'll get a lot more information. Okay. Um, and also, you message me or whatever on there, too. Now, is that under Paul Wolf Racing, or is that for just Paul Wolf? Um, Paul Wolf Racing. Both okay. We're on Paul Wolf Racing. Um, okay. My personal page, I try to keep it personal and yeah. separate from yeah. it, so... Okay. Well, that sounds good. Um, Paul, thanks again, man. It's just, like I said, definitely been one of my favorites. And uh, I'll have to catch up with you, if not in the middle of the season, and if not at AOP, if you want to come down, let me know. Uh, if not at AOP, man, uh, then definitely at the end of the season, and we'll we'll catch back up and see what your thoughts were about everything you did uh, this year. And we'll see if we can, uh, you know, can't have you talk about how you won your second championship. Hey, I hope so, for sure. <laughs> I definitely I definitely hope that's the case and and this goes out for you and anybody if you guys see me out at a race come up and say something to me um, definitely I'm more than happy to talk to people I still find it impressive people want to talk to me <laughs> <laughs> well I'm sure you got nothing but more of that in the future Paul <laughs> I hope so so well, have a good day and uh, don't work too hard today yeah sounds good you do the same enjoy your weekend oh will do we'll see you alright thanks buddy All right, everybody, thanks for listening, and I want to give one more plug. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, all that fun stuff. We're hosting a contest. That contest is found on the Facebook. It's found on the Instagram. All you got to do is sign up for our newsletter, um, follow the links. It's on, like, every post we put up, 
Uh, and what that'll do at the end of the Rock Racing Series for 2019, we're going to pick a winner. we got a whole bunch of free crap. Free, free stuff from LaserNut, Rogers Racing. I've got a 1,000 XP uh, drivetrain belt that's going in there. A bunch of free stuff, and we're going to cl keep collecting at the end of the season. We're all just going to give it away. It's going to be awesome. One lucky person is going to win it all. You can enter on Facebook and Instagram, and uh, that's all you got from me. So I hope you have a great rest of your day, and thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe, like, share, do everything you can. Have a good one.